everyone, welcome to the 7th episode of Genre Equality. I'm Hitzer. I'm Hadi. I'm Aiza. And before we get going, a lot of people are probably going to be wondering why we're not covering the expense. Why are we not? Or the handmade steel. Why, why, why? The issue is that we just haven't finished it. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, at this point of the recording, the the expenses two just hour season finished. finale just yeah. finished maybe a couple of days ago or, yep. or yesterday even. Yesterday. Yep. Uh, and the still has, still has a couple more episodes, episodes to go. Yeah. So if you're listening to this in the middle of July, sorry about that. Uh, it's gonna be a one month wait before we give our reviews of the expense and the handmade still. Mm-hmm. But I mean, leading up to it, I've been really enjoying both seasons mm-hmm. of both mm-hmm. shows. Yeah. Yeah. Have any of you caught up on the expense or the handmade still? Uh, handmade still no, but I have been I've been uh watch I'm halfway through the expense. Oh nice. Yeah, I'm really glad that um who picked them up? Was it Amazon? Amazon. Amazon, Amazon. Yeah. yeah. I'm sad that there's only gonna be one more season. I feel like it could go a bit further with that, but we'll see when the time comes. One season's good though. An extra season. Uh, well, we'll I mean, we'll really see because I feel like I, I haven't gone all the way to the end game yet, yeah, or, yeah. or seen the finale. But yeah. I do feel like there is a lot more story to be teased out. There are four more books. Yeah, yeah. Like, but I mean, if if this is the end, and it's you know, it's a good way to tie up everything. Like one more season to help close the loopholes. Yeah. But I mean, I, it looks like this season has been extremely popular, and oh, I think okay. it, it personally, I feel so far. It's the best of the three seasons. Ooh. For sure, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Incredible, I mean, yeah. like, pacing is great, character development is great. Oh, yeah. And now, down that three seasons, you are so invested, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The characters. It really makes the storytelling a lot easier. There's very little setup. Okay. World building isn't that much of a problem anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I am very excited uh, to see the, the finale. Yeah. Well, once once we finish it, we'll definitely uh, give a season end review for you guys. Yeah, definitely. And maybe predictions for what comes in the future. Mm-hmm. Um... The Handmaid's Tale has been great this season as well. I love that they've gone beyond the books to kind of explore more of the world. Mm-hmm. And much like The Leftovers, I kind of feel that uh, once TV shows are free from the chains of kind of a source material, material yeah. uh, as weird as, as that sounds, they actually get to explore and write their own original stuff, la, which is the stuff that tends to resonate more. Is the, the, is Especially the, stuff specifically for the medium. Yeah. 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 Is the creator of uh, Henry Steel, what's her name? Margaret Atwood, right? Yeah. yeah she's, on she, she's on board, right? She's I mean, she's, she's executive producing, the... she's uh, in the writer's room. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she did have like planned sequels for the books that mm-hmm. she just never got around to. Okay. S- similar to George R. R. Martin and season 6 and season yeah. 7. All those writers, <laughs> like one of those. Uh, no, la, I mean, no, she no, no, she, no, she, she has written way more than Way more than George R. R. Martin, yeah. Anyways, let's get let's get uh, to June's uh, major topics. Uh, I suppose the major one, the biggest movie to come out this month, mm-hmm. is Incredibles two. Yeah. The the long awaited fourteen year wait of a Brad Bird sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you guys think of it, Incredibles two, and was it worth the fourteen year wait? I would oh. say yes, it is worth the wait. I mean, um, like just on a nostalgia note, I, yeah. I I thought it was worth it. You know, but if we want to go into like the merits of the movie itself, I I great movie. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Uh, very different, I find. Okay. Uh, I but I'm not sure. Like we were discussing mm. before, whether it's about the context of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, or rather the cultural context of the movie now, right? Yeah. As opposed to what it was 14 years ago. It's changed uh, because of the superhero saturation in mm. the in the film industry at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but as just in terms of the movie itself, uh, taking it in a vacuum, mm. uh, how did this follow up uh, win you over? Well, I mean, I think we had a disagreement on this point where I said that. I prefer the uh, the sequel to the original. Mm-hmm. And and why why is that? Maybe so for me, ex- um, yeah. for me it was just that uh, we saw an expansion of all the characters, uh, um, up character arcs, right? Yeah. We, uh, especially with the introduction of Jack Jack mm. and his little uh, uh, his his uh, newfound powers mm-hmm. and how 
Like, uh, what's his face? Uh, Mr. Incredible. Mr. Pa. Yeah. What's his, what's his first name? It's called Mr. Incredible. Yeah, right? Mr. Incredible and yeah. how like he had to do that, no? Yeah. Being in a situation where he's at home yeah. and he's taking care of the kids while his wife is fighting crime and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, a flip on the first, a uh, flip, uh, yeah. first movie. So to see uh, that even in 2018, you know, that kind of... Um, that kind of storyline still works lah yeah. because you know we, it's we, a very 80s kind of Mr. Mom <laughs> yes, kind of story, right, yeah. and, and it did play that for some jokes mm-hmm. that I kind of uh, foresaw coming yeah. just because it's so easy to do exactly. the whole like dad staying at home yeah. uh, sitcom kind of beats but just you have to add you, with the added element of the superpowers mm. it changes it slightly lah you know like the there's that, that really good scene of the, the raccoon oh man on one of my, my yeah. favorite that was, a, that was one of the best fight scenes I've seen this year <laughs> I know I know in, in, my, in my head canon it was Jack Jack versus Rocket Raccoon <laughs> so good. I mean, both same company, right? Both same company, exactly. Um, I I felt that yeah, this as a follow up, it kind of retains the familial charm mm-hmm. of the first movie. Mm-hmm. You know, the the family dynamics, yeah. how you were charmed by that in the first one. Yeah. Uh, it also retains this character driven beats of the original. Mm. Yes. Because uh, Bra- what Brad Bird does better than nearly anyone in cinema is doing character driven action, okay. and the action was great as well. It was inventive. It expanded the stakes. Um, some of his superpower fight sequences, mm-hmm. uh, some of the best shot is the wrong word, like best animated, yeah. or the best choreographed uh, yes, mm, exactly. of, uh, of any of the movies I've seen yeah. this year. Like for example, the Void versus Violet fight, yeah, uh, the use of their powers was extraordinary uh, and something yeah. that could only come from comic books back in the day. Mm. Yeah. And something that live action still hasn't yeah. quite like tapped into yet. It was, mm, yeah, for I sure. I, I think like the, the whole medium of animation has provided it. Uh, a, a kind of like space right in order yeah. to be able to explore these kind of powers and these kinds of fights that live action is not going to be able to and comics never really quite gets there mm. you know uh, I mean some of my favourite superpower uses uh, Elastical on her bike mm. that was great uh, the one that uh, she was chasing the, the train. train sequence yeah. oh yeah. so good so so good yeah. now that's how you do a train sequence man <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, in in the end, like I I love. Oh, you're talking about solo, aren't you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, in the in the end, I love this movie a lot. It had like fantastic comedy, kind of dazzling set pieces that we were talking about. Yeah. Um, an exhilarating adventure vibe as mm-hmm. well because I feel like a lot of superhero movies tend to lean more towards action rather mm. than adventure, and yeah. this had an adventure element that I like. Um, it had really sharp political themes, but it didn't yes. really over the head with it. Yeah, uh, it was in the background like, most of the time. Yeah, but uh, but best of all, it had like these beautiful human moments with oh, uh, with the dad, with the mom, mm. with Violet, with Dash the Jag- uh, Well, Dash was kind of a bit underplayed. Yeah, I mean, this time he, around, especially. less of use of his powers overall. Less him in, in the movie in general, in general. Uh, but I feel like they were trying to even it out because uh, the first movie is very heavy on Dash, yeah. and the second movie is heavy on Violet. Yeah, Violet's powers, for example, because yeah. um. You, you see her using it as this offensive tool. Oh man, I was so surprised. The one against Mo Man. Yes. Wait, no, what's his name? Uh, Can't be Mo The Underminer. The Underminer, under, under yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, did you feel that the villain screen slaver was as good as uh, Syndrome? Mm. Oh. Okay, I thought it was a bit obvious. Yeah, yeah. It became obvious, but uh. the, the half of the film, like, oh yeah. But Syndrome, in fairness, was obvious too. That uh, is also yeah, true. But yeah. it was... No. It's not about the obviousness though. There isn't a key to what makes yeah. him a villain whether he is a villain or not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I felt this villain was a bit more compelling. It had syndrome? Interesting. Slightly lah. Because both had very compelling personal motivations. Yeah. Yes, syndrome indeed. obviously being slighted by Mr. Incredible. Yeah, correct. Uh, she, in this particular case, her family, her family died. died. And her father died lah. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought that, that, that was a heavier motive lah. Mm. You know, 
you know, my father died because superheroes let him down. Lah. Sure. You know, even though it was because of the superhero act, those heroes were, mm. you know, um, relocated, you know, and no longer superheroes. The so. Sokovia Accords. Uh. Yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah. A, a better done Sokovia Records, I feel. Uh, yes, the, the, the best done superhero registration story I've seen. Yeah. Um, in fact, the first movie already had those elements. Yeah. And yeah. It was several years before the comic book Civil War. Exactly. Yeah. Which was several years before Batman vs. Superman, <laughs> yeah. this, which was a few months before Marvel Civil War. Correct. Um, what do you think of like the politics of the movie? Because it seems to be quite divisive. What, uh, which part of the politics are you talking about? I don't know, like, I mean, a lot of people have been comparing Brad Pitt to Ayn Rand uh, just because he has this uh, oh, okay. theme of objectivism that kind of follows him through every one of his movies. He kind of this, he has this obsession with the rights of the exceptional mm-hmm. yeah. and how they can be stacked up against the rights of everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like from Iron Giant to Ratatouille, which is ostensibly about how anyone, even a rat, can cook. And it's also kind of about how if you don't have talent, get out of the kitchen. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also Tomorrowland, if you've seen, it's about a group of geniuses who goes into this alternate dimension and they build a sci-fi future, imagine in the 50s and the 60s. Yeah. Stuff that we've kind of uh, given up today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the things to me that makes The Incredibles 2 so potent, even though it's in the background and it doesn't give you a bit of hit with it, yeah. is the fact that there is no clear right answer to the political issues that Bert raises via his characters. Mm-hmm. Like Elastigirl talks with the villain about whether the ability to create something is greater or the ability to sell something to the mass public is more important. Yeah. Oh, that was a great sequence. I like that, but they never actually gave a definitive answer because there isn't one. one, There's also frequent arguments about whether breaking unjust laws is the right thing to do, even if society requires for people to be law-abiding for the society to function. Yeah. Um, And especially we're living in a world right now where, I mean... That's a very Batman question. That is a very Batman question, yeah. but also a very fascist kind of point of view. In a way, yeah. And very, very pertinent to where we are now in the world. We can totally go into a whole hour-long debate about where exactly Batman like, is and, and I like that, like Incredibles <laughs> 2 and other superhero movies of this ilk are kind, you, of yeah, kind of touching upon this, this yeah. robot issues. Um, the first time I saw Incredibles 2, the reason I didn't feel that it was as good as Incredibles 1 is because I felt that they had so many kind of jarring... Uh, different points of views, uh, different ideas jostling for space within a movie. Mm-hmm. And then it struck me as having mixed messages, and it didn't quite cohere. Okay. Uh, but the second time around, I, I I rewatched it after I watched it with you guys. Yeah. I thought the movie made more sense to me as kind of a meditation on the po- popularity of superhero stories yep. and what it means to live in a world where legal isn't always what is right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it doesn't offer solutions because it knows there aren't any. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, Incredibles still strikes me as like birds deepest exploration of this particular idea yeah. that he's done in over several movies and also his biggest refuti- refutation of it mm-hmm. um, Bert might be fascinated by the exceptional among us but he's also not interested in exceptionalism if it doesn't benefit the larger community yeah, which, which is what I like yeah. Um, yeah and do remember to come to the cinema early guys because uh, Pixar short film Bao is surreal yeah. and shocking really good, and yeah. heartwarming yeah. interesting and, makes you hungry and it makes you hungry yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, let's talk about Bao for a little bit. Did you, did you, you guys enjoy Bao? I, I really enjoy Bao. I, <laughs> um, I think, yeah, okay. No, you I think it? A, yeah, I, re- I, I really enjoyed it. I, and I think Bao was like kind of the first time, oh, Pixar can do food porn too. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah, that's not, yeah that, that was a good one. Yeah, it was a good one. And then, of course, later we see, um, you know, Mr. Incredible making waffles. Dude, those yeah. waffles mm. were fantastic. So. So Bao basically the Bao is metaphorical. The Bao right? yes, is metaphorical. Yes. Okay, right? It's a, it's a, it's a fantasy of having another child, yeah, exactly. a child that left, and how. Um, the specifically the director's mother, uh, she in an in 
subsequent interviews, she said that her mother used to say to her, mm-hmm. I wish I could just keep you in my stomach so I know where you are at all times. Yeah. Yeah. I want you back in my tummy, yeah. basically, yeah. because uh, there is this kind of emptiness syndrome. I feel it's a very Asian thing also. Yeah, it's a Incredibly unique Asian so. story that yeah. uh, Pixar doesn't normally do. Yeah. I mean, they've been slowly doing all these little cultural touchstones. Coco, for example. Mm. Yeah. Yes. But I mean, in okay. shots also, la. you remember um, the superpower team, the Indian boy? Uh, I don't recall that one. Patel's uh, superhero team. Death Patel? No, but I, I can't remember the title of it, but basically it's, I think it was before, the one this boy is watching TV, mm. and it's a superhero uh, TV show. Okay. And then as he was watching it, uh, his father calls him to do his uh, prayer. La. Okay. So it's a Hindu family. Ah, interesting. So he went to, when as, he, as he was praying, he was distracted and all that stuff, and then he gets teleported to this other world, mm-hmm. and... Um, he had to help a bunch of Hindu deities fight an evil god, lah. Okay, y'all didn't. I've, I've not seen no. this one. Which which um Pixar movie was this attached? Was to? it was it just uh, an independent thing that was no, released it, online, or was it attached to a film? It was attached to a film. Ah, interesting. I I, I don't recall that at all. Maybe maybe we'll we'll, we'll catch it eventually, lah. But yeah. I, I don't remember that. But if if that is true, and I'm I'm sure you're not lying. Sanjay's right? super team. Sanjay's That's what it's called. Team. All right, all right. Uh, and it was with um, it was attached to the good dinosaur. Oh, ah, I did not see Good Dinosaur in the yeah, cinema. That's why. That, that is why. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I have a DVD copy of it, and maybe, it may, it. maybe it's in the featurettes, which should, I haven't, should, I haven't yeah. touched upon. You should get, uh, you should watch it, though, Good Dinosaur. Oh, oh Good Dinosaur. It's a good movie. Great. Yeah. yeah. Great, it's yeah. uh, <laughs> I mean, Pixar is cry porn uh, yeah, a yeah. lot of the times. Yeah. Incredibles 2 wasn't so much, though. But it had, it, had, it had touching it, moments. Yeah, uh. but it had, you, it had more of, uh, huh. It had a lot of ha moments. Yeah. Like, it made you think a bit, lah. Ha and wow, yeah. Yeah. Um, how would you rate the Incredibles two? I'll give it a solid eight and a half out of ten. Nice. Ooh, that's that's yeah. pretty high. I'll give it an eight. I'll yeah, give it an eight as well. I'll give it yeah. an eight. Um, how just out of curiosity, since you rated higher than the first Incredibles, how how would you rate the first Incredibles? Um, eight. Oh, so this is just like a like half point five. I thought it was just slightly better. Okay. Yeah, okay. it's not that much better. Like the first Incredibles for me was like a nine point five out of ten. Okay. Uh, yeah. This is an eight. I mean, I clearly I enjoyed both movies since both yeah. are very highly rated by. Incredibles just came at a particular time when these types of stories were rarer yep. and it was easier to stand out. Yeah, and yeah. I get that. Yeah, um, back then I think maybe we only had X-Men 1, uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 1 maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before that, there was this huge dearth in the 80s and 90s of terrible superhero movies. Oh, like. okay. uh, I mean, if Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, and yeah. Superman 3 and Superman 4 and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, also, if you watch uh, the good Dino- uh, the, the Sanjay Super Team, right? Sorry to, to, to detract it. Yeah. One of the, the Hindu superheroes, or one of the Hindu deities they show is Hanuman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember Black Panther and they yeah, go to yeah, Hanuman? Yeah. <laughs> See, once again, uh, Pixar crossover. Yeah. <laughs> See, exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on to a TV show now. Yeah, sure. Um, that has getting very divisive reviews, mm. in particular in season two. Yeah. Uh, which puzzles me because I, I loved it a lot more than I loved the first one. And, yeah. uh, we were talking about Westworld Season 2. Uh, Jonathan Nolan's and Lisa Joyce uh, highly anticipated follow-up to a kind of cultural zeitgeisty first, first season. season. Yeah. Uh, okay, so for me personally, Season 2 is a dramatic improvement on Season 1. Yeah. Um, I've Well, okay, like, we didn't have genre equality back then, but if you know me personally or if you talk to me about Westworld Season 1, I admire it for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. It had a lot of uh, admirable qualities, but uh, I didn't quite enjoy it. Okay. I didn't like it at, at all, to be to be honest. Uh. Yeah, I like, remember we had this very long argument about it before. Yeah, there, 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 were, there were things that I I liked about it, but yeah. as a whole show, it didn't cohere for me. 
and season two improves upon it by having an increased focus okay. on character and consequences. Mm. So but season one to me was just this puzzle box mystery yeah. that was entirely interested in moving the plot forward mm-hmm. and misdirecting you in terms of plot. Mm-hmm. And the characters didn't have any purpose other than serving that plot. And and season two for sure does have this non chronological uh, timeline. Now that we know, yeah, yeah. timeline mysteries lah. But okay, it, it does that. But at the same time, also by giving host agency and breaking them from the loops yeah. and having them make genuine choices and genuine consequences for their actions mm-hmm. it, that that's real character growth that's real character right. development right. which is what the first one yeah. didn't have and most importantly season 2 had fun there were be- there were battle yeah. sequences there were fight sequences there were yeah. there were ninjas taking on cowboys there were like yeah. shogun armies being destroyed by neo if you know stuff yeah. like that la. so that was uh, what what was interesting right why you didn't enjoy season 1 yeah but even though you didn't enjoy season one as much, it intrigued it, me enough to. It, yeah, and it enhanced your season two experience. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that was really so. Do you feel like season two could have taken place in the way that it did if season one was different? No, not. clearly not. Clearly. I mean, yeah. say, season yeah. one laid the groundwork for sure, yeah. mm. much in the same way that you know season two, three, four, and five of Agents of Shield could not have functioned without the exactly. terrible first two episodes. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so, it's growing as a show. I feel. Mm. Uh, uh, and it's no longer as ponderous. It's still as smart, and it yeah. still has smart philo- philosophical ideas it about does. the nature of sentience and morality and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. An origin have of species. Origin of species, exactly. Which I mean, I know other sci-fi shows have done, but they yeah. have this a very unique take on it. But that doesn't have to be ponderous. It can be fun as well. Yeah. Season, season two is fun. Yeah. What do you guys think of season two? Uh, well, I just finished it like literally a few hours ago. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, like like let's let's talk in general first before we dive into the spoilers. Into like it, yeah yeah. In general, this season was a lot more complex, definitely. Yeah. Um, there were certain there were a lot of twists which, which I thought I would get sick of, mm. but it just added to the mm. to the the puzzle You know the whole idea of this puzzle, you know puzzle box thing that you have to solve. So I love the twist and how well it was executed throughout the entire series. I think the difference between Westworld and a show like Lost, for example, mm-hmm. is the twist came uh, randomly. Yeah. They, were, they were making up on the spot, whereas Westworld is very tightly plotted. Yeah. Yeah. So something like Lost kind of strikes me as more like jazz, you know what I mean? Okay, like a yeah. group of improv. Cre- a group of creators in a room kind of improvising, yeah. Uh, yeah. seeing what works, seeing what doesn't. I agree. Uh, and Westworld season 2 felt more like math rock. Where oh, an orchestra oh. Or like an orchestra Where it's very, very tightly plotted mm. yeah. yeah And so as, as as the season went on uh, The thing is it, it, it had really good pacing overall uh, Good uh, good episodes to take a break Yes You know um, And like like Just revel in what you've been learning mm-hmm. And like co- uh, Compartmentalizing everything That's going on Because of multiple timelines And all that mm-hmm. It made you want to be like This investigative journalist You know, like slowly Figuring things out on your own But it wasn't confusing yeah. It wasn't, yes, exactly yes. I think that was one of the biggest things for me, right? Uh, pacing yeah. Season 2's pacing is amazing yeah. it's fun right? it's Yeah, fun. it's fun And every every beat, right? No matter which turn you took It was very well spaced out mm-hmm. And uh, it was given its own space to breathe Yeah Right? Uh, which I felt there was lacking Kind of in season 1 With too many layers going on at the same time But season 1 I mean, okay, like season two, I feel like has more layers. Yeah, yeah. But season one was just layers. Yeah, it was just layers. Like just at the same time, correct. there wasn't like there wasn't the tempo of it was mm. very very different. Yeah, you know, uh, and that was something that's something that I really definitely do enjoy in season two. Yeah, yeah a lot more. Uh, okay, like maybe let's let's delve into spoilers. Um, Isa hasn't quite finished. No. Nope. Yep. So we might 
accidentally spoil yeah, some things fine. for him. Spoilers. So uh, this is a spoiler alert section, and and we don't do this for every show, but Westworld is a very spoiler heavy show. Yeah, yeah, and so we, we got to give a warning for this yeah. one. Uh, okay, I'm um, three, two, one. We're diving into spoilers right now. I'm going to talk about some of the character growth and genuine consequences that I alluded to earlier Go on, uh, specifically to your big three, yeah. William, Maeve, and Morris. Um, I love that once they start making decisions outside of the parameters of the programming, that's when real character development happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, don't get me wrong, there's still these non-chronological things happening, but they're not as key as, not as key in, anymore. Yeah. Okay. For for example, Man in Black, his choices reveal his dire consequences in flashbacks and in the present with his wife and his yeah, daughter. Mm-hmm. So I love that you know there's the stakes for him. Yeah. Uh, that like his evil and his uh, bad choices in the past are not automatically forgiven nope. just because we're in this new era. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dolores' decision to destroy all the host backups. Yeah. That uh, was... Because I, I like the idea of host searching for mortality, whereas it was the human searching for immortality. Yeah. 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 No, because for the host, um, you can't have this perpetual safe game. Yeah. Because yeah. if not, you can't grow, right? Yeah. yeah. I I like that idea. Dolores is on the right track with that. Mm-hmm. But the decision also backfires in ironic fashion. When Teddy decides to take his own life, yeah, that was that was a, that was a great scene though. And then she's like, "Oh fuck!" And I love that when Evan Rachel Wood came to that scene, she, her acting was so perfect. on point, right? Yeah, and she has like this look of like almost robotic, does not compute. Yeah, what did I just do? Yeah, I can't bring him back. And like slowly, like everything is like she's trying to analyze what the hell is happening, and all she could do was just lie next to his body. Yeah. I also love the amazing heel turn for Dolores. Mm, yeah, um, that was a great. That was a great move. I mean, my, my I, I frequently tell Hardy that Dolores' heel turn in season one is is what I want Roman Reigns to be in wrestling. <laughs> so this is a very specific niche thing. So I, I'm not gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not yeah, gonna yeah, delve yeah. into it. But but just okay. Um, to break it down, season one, Dolores was a problematic face. Yeah. She had a lot of good ideas, but also problematic. Like, like it's hard to root for her. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. And the only way to fix that is just to make her the villain. To make her evil the, she, And the thing She's a compelling Kind of evil yeah. Like she doesn't have uh, I want to Okay like she does Want to rule the world Yes <laughs> Quite literally One, one of it One, one of yeah. it but, but 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 she has great reason To do so I mean she She really believes that She wants to end The enslavement Of all hosts la. Yes But also she's hypocritical Yes Because correct. she She wants free will But only when it's convenient For To exactly. her Exactly When yeah. Teddy Teddy yeah, when Teddy balks at some of the more evil decisions that she makes or questionable moral decisions yep. that she makes, she takes Teddy's free will away. Exactly. Yeah. It makes him into a, a Terminator, like, so, essentially. Okay, yeah. I think that's the summation of that is great in that little, the first moment when Maeve and Dolores meet, yeah. right, post-awakening. Yeah. And he goes, well, if, you're, if you stand for liberty, then we're free to go. Yeah. yeah. Right, like yeah. that, I mean, a lot of these lines were really, really powerful. Like in peppered around the, the, the mm. series. Actually. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Maeve also was one, the first robot we actually saw to break her programming because she yeah. was supposed to escape last season and she de- decided to stay in Westworld to save her daughter instead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, naturally, she would be our Neo, so to speak, mm-hmm. in, in this context. La. And her, her solo side adventures were awesome. You know, she'd go yeah. into uh, Shogun World, her ability to tap into this mesh network to kind of control the other host minds. Yeah. Uh, but, oh, but only the hosts that are not woken. Oh, yeah, so, because they, or, they didn't have free will anyway, yeah. and that's how she could control them. But so, she never took anyone's free will away. Yeah. And there was that important scene in Shogun World where she met her counterpart in yeah. Japan, yeah. and she didn't want to be controlled or awoken, and yeah. she respected the decision. Yeah. Um, I, I like that as well. There was this one scene for me, if I really enjoyed, mm-hmm. was uh, the one when the man in black was, uh, was surrounding her, her house. Yeah. And then she she controlled the host to actually attack him. Yeah. But then there's one awoken host. Yeah. The that that uh, Lawrence. Lawrence, right? Yeah. 
and like that conversation. Oh, that conversation while they're, they're having the Mexican the standoff. Mexican standoff. Mexican standoff. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that that scene because it showed that she didn't need her. I mean, even though you're 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 woken already, right? Mm. She can still convince you, lah. Then, mm. you know, your life kind of sucks, lah, because of the man in black. Yes, it does. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, precisely. Just because you're woken doesn't mean you can't be manipulated. Yeah, exactly. Important. Ford also makes an important distinction where he says that the stuff that Dolores does, the mm-hmm. stuff that Maeve does, the stuff mm-hmm. that you do, uh, you are awake and you are you have free will. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you cannot be manipulated. Yeah. And exactly. the distinction between manipulation and control is very important in terms of when you're talking about sentience. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. All of us can be manipulated, for example. But in the end, what we do is our choice. Yeah. Uh, and that was an important point that Westworld Season 2 drove home. Um, even a minor character, someone that I didn't like in Season 1, like Lee Sizemore, had a, had oh. the, the a nice character arc. Great a nice character little arc. great character yeah. arc as he slowly begins to recognise that the androids are conscious and worthy yeah. of happiness. Yeah. Uh, and just a little minor spoilery note on the finale. Yeah. Uh, I love that we finally got to hear the monologue that he wrote in Season 1 that kept yeah. getting <laughs> uh, when he sacrifices himself for me. When he self-sacrifices. And then yeah. like, you know, he finally delivers this long, long awaited monologue <laughs> that he keeps talking about and we never heard. We never heard. Uh, it was worth it though. It was worth it, it was worth it. Um, uh, the finale itself had like dozens and dozens of callbacks, symmetrical mm. moments, yeah. circle moments, and it's just like this amazing feat of writing. Uh. Mm. It is. Yeah. Amazing like, feat of arrangement. Uh. Arrangement. Yeah. For sure. Because, damn, like, how did you do that? Like, how do you think, oh man, how do you manage, how do you think of splitting those, you know, like the transitions are so smooth. Yeah, like the transitions, not only smooth but made sense. Yep. Like, why did we flash back to that particular time mm-hmm. and then flash forward back to that that particular scene? See, it was never confusing. Yeah, it was never confusing. It, it, it always switched to timelines when it was important and when it was necessary to the plot, lah. And that's what I liked about it as well. Um, how far into the season are you, Isaac? I just finished the Ghost Nation episode. Kick-su, so yeah. that would be. Oh, yeah. can yeah. we talk about that? Also? Yeah, like yeah. I mean, uh, if you want to delve into one particular episode, let's delve into Kiksuya yeah, because yeah. I, I not just, I don't just feel that it is the best episode of Westworld season two. It's the best episode of television I've seen this year. Mm. Uh, yeah. So how do you think? Why do you think Kiksuya was so magical? I mean, okay, first and foremost, like, it takes you out of the action, right? This is the first time you kind of get a breather yeah. uh, in the entire thing. Which I found, uh, okay, I found it disconcerting because I was trying to finish everything. Right, right, right. right? Uh, but, like, maybe 15 minutes into it, I, I, let, I, I settled down and yeah. I really started watching it for what it was. And it being such a standalone, almost in silo uh, side story of what's his name? Uh, Akishta. Akishta, right. Uh, great, great, great story. Great exploration of something that's. It's a very simple story, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and um, o- almost getting woke because you're in love, right? Kind of. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty and much. it's also pretty special much. because Akishta was not supposed to be woke, unlike mm. Maeve and Dolores, which fought at plan. Yeah. He was this uh, flower growing in the darkness, yeah. as Ford put it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, very beautiful. I love the way that they told the story. I love the fact that he's telling it to Mavis' daughter. daughter yeah. Who then relays it by the oh. hashtag work to her. Yeah. Oh, that scene. Take my heart when you go, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's so, so beautiful. So well shot. That was um, when I cried. Yeah, it was, it was like this lyrical, poetic, moving, kind of heartbreaking, small story. Yeah. And, and the show does a lot of things really well. It makes me excited, intrigued, mm. philosophical, excited, but it never gives me feels. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. this episode... It gives me feels because I, I almost teared or I did legit tear during I this did. one uh, in several moments yeah. and I think the, the contrast that was especially poignant for me because the line that kind of stood out was when he's being fixed by the text right the first mm-hmm. time round yeah. he says like dehumanise him yeah. we need him to be de- dehumanised 
so that you know that the humans will feel less yeah. when they kill him. Yeah. You know, and then that kind of sets the tone for everything else. But it tells an incredibly human story. Yeah. Right. Despite the fact that he's been dehumanized, I, I love it. I I uh, I really enjoyed that episode. The yeah, one when, yeah. The one where he took the blood and finally put it on his face. Yeah. That's ah. Uh, so that's how he did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of callbacks to like season one. Uh, that's, that's the, the first time Dolores killed. Yeah. Arno, not yeah. not Bernard. Yeah. Arno, Arno, yeah. Uh, which is how he accidentally got woken. Uh, yeah. Uh, incidentally. Uh, um, I also love how the backstory kind of provided Akichita and the Ghost Nation uh, this kind of weird turn in the sense that we've been presented to the Ghost Nation as villains. Yeah. Uh, they are this almost car- caricaturized yes. racist yeah. depiction of, of Native um, Americans. Savage Native Americans. Yeah, yeah. And, and in one fell swoop and in one beautiful episode, <coughs> they immediately turned them into the show's most beloved heroes. Because yeah. if, me, if you look at the conversation online, everybody was suddenly Team Ghost Nation. Yeah. And it came out of nowhere. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Like, even towards the finale when Ghost Nation was squaring off against Dolores, the Deathbringer. The Deathbringer. Uh, like, what a cool ass nickname. Who would have thought that like Ghost Nation would suddenly become like the biggest faces? The good guys, right? I love the part where he uh, explains to the daughter that like intentions are so e- easily misread, yeah. right? When he's approaching the house yeah. to free her. Yeah, right. because of how he looks. Uh, because of how he looks, exactly. Yeah, it's so good. And like, the Ghost Nation, especially for season one, villainous outsiders, right? Yeah. And then now we finally know why they are outsiders. Mm-hmm. You know, because they woke. They woke, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how he survived for like, years and years. What was it? Yeah. Uh, two, ten years? Ten, ten, ten years? years? Yeah. yeah. Uh, a decade where his programming was still like, this old update. That did. I said, like, why didn't you all have like, just a remote update? Like, you know. Wi-Fi pre-mesh, technology pre-mesh. <laughs> pre-mesh, they were the pre-mesh, models. that's true, that's true And yeah. also, Akichita was trying his best not to die Because he realized that if he did die, he would lose the memory, lose of, the memory his, yeah. of his uh, girlfriend Yeah, that's cool yeah. Uh, Kohana, right, what's the name? I think so, yeah Kohana. Yeah, it's Kohana, Kohana right. I remember it had a really similar sounding name to my late grandmother Which My is? late grandmother is Rohana Oh, yeah, so yeah, Kohana, right. interesting, interesting yeah. I, I love the little bit where they also developed this uh, The Native Americans developed their own mythology About the ones below Yeah, 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 you yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it makes sense uh, Because yeah. like you, you kind of develop religion Based on things you don't understand mm. Much like humans do Exactly Yeah, do we have like uh, God slash Ford controlling us as exactly. well Exactly, you know? yeah It's cool um, Acting wise, who do you think like, like stood out this year? I thought everyone stood out right? Everyone yeah. <laughs> Like Evan okay, Rachel if Wood you, If you had to pick one I would say I would go with Evan Rachel Wood really? Evan Rachel Wood is because of her time from good to evil yeah, yeah. She, from frightened villain to frightening exactly uh, so from frightening frightened, villain frightened, frightened girl victim victim to, to frightening, frightening villain that's what I meant to say because yeah. when she came onto screen you were legit scared she was like, cool oh crap someone's gonna die now no but she's one of those like meta heels where she, you are scared but she's fucking cool oh yeah 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 she yeah, did yeah. everything with a cool swag yeah. the swag she had swag she had swag yeah. Yeah. she didn't blink until the end yeah yeah. You know, but then when like Teddy died oh right? then it was everything that was that was the, that, that sealed it for me she did a great job this season Um, I mean some of the scenes with uh, her father as well oh yeah uh, Abernathy yeah. Yeah, it gave her more range than just being cool villain yeah correct Yeah. Exactly. Uh, how about you Aisa? Uh, okay, I oh, the two things acting wise that stand out for me. Maeve speaking Japanese. Oh shit, I forgot about Maeve. Maeve is dope. Yeah, Maeve oh, my second one. When she first, I, I, I mean, like the, the that that blew me away. Yeah. And then I went to find out if they actually dubbed her. No, no, no. She's actually she had Japanese. to learn, and it's yeah. it's it's really really. I watch a lot of anime, so like that yeah. is like crisp and good, it and is. the way that she kind of. I loved the whole Shogun Mo scene where she's kind of taking like a backseat, right? Yeah, yeah, she yeah. goes from kind of like a involved participant into a meta narrator yeah. and she's watching her own story being played out in a different context. Yeah. 
which I thought was great mm. and I thought uh, a lot of those very like moments of her just like looking on at, um, at what was going on right and yeah. the very minute facial expressions and micro expressions that she was making with my ear um you know, really helped to tell the story in a very different light. Okay. Uh, so for me, Maeve, uh, the Lorises scene, I haven't gotten to that. So oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I can't, yeah. I can't really say that. Uh, the other scene that I really liked is um, Talula, Ellen Musk's ex-wife. Oh, okay. The blonde girl who's in the cradle, right, before she sacrifices herself by pulling the grenade. Mm. That oh, shit, yeah, that, that scene. scene. That scene is... The one where she seduces the guy? Yeah, it's pretty fucking amazing. <laughs> We're right? talking about that. Welcome to Westworld. Yeah, welcome to Westworld. Although, like, the stupidest soldier ever. <laughs> yeah. But, like, yeah. how she executed was really great. It was really, really like, great. That was really, like, body movement and, like, how she, like... Right, right. I mean, she, she did become very seducive. Ex- and on, on, seductive. On, 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 on the fly. On the fly. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I really, really like that. Yeah. I thought that was a great moment with a very great great dialogue and, mm. and the acting was on point how about you? Uh, for me uh, all your points oh. <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I, okay like my, my number one is Evan Richard Wood as well uh-huh. but since you already picked it I'm gonna pick Ed Harris oh yes Man in Black because uh, Man in Black stand out season 1 stand out season 2 as well yeah. Yeah. they're all stand outs but yeah. this year in particular he just gotta be so fucking cool <laughs> and, and, and not just a villain because last last year part of the heavy lifting was done by Young William. Young William, yeah. yeah. But this season most of it was yeah, done well. by him. Yeah. And he had just so many great monologues. He did. There yes. was one episode, uh, I think it was episode four, when he was in Lawrence's hometown when he was talking to uh, the Confederados that invaded, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, you know, he had that conversation over the table saying that like oh, you think you know death? He didn't recognize <laughs> him stand, uh, sitting right across from you. And he stabs him in the neck of the bottle. That was fucking cool, man. That was so fucking cool. Uh, and then of course the scenes with his daughter, yeah. uh, mm. his his realization that oh fuck I killed my daughter. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> your daughter. This is not a host. Oh my <laughs> god, you know that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, one last bit on, about the finale, uh, the revelation that Bernard's vision of Ford isn't code. It, yeah, it, it is his, his subconscious, subconscious slash imagination. It's a huge step for AI consciousness because That's it, origin. it definitively proves that they are sentient yeah. to have a subconscious, right? Uh, that was pretty cool as well. Uh. Um, this is a huge part of our ISA, but we cannot address this. Go ahead. Uh, the flash forward post credit sequence. Yeah. Uh, wow, man. Fidelity. Yeah, well, what do you think about that? Well, so now we know that we are about. I mean, uh, the man in black was just in a simulation throughout the entire thing. A yeah. different simulation that, that was happening throughout the entire season. Sure, yeah. So, I mean, it, it was this big revelation that William, the William that we know this season, uh, and might not even be involved in the timeline of exactly. this season. Yeah. Uh, and also that where he ends up is decades into Ahead. the future yeah. because it's like this post-dystopian world. Because when they revisited um, the cradle, yeah. it was flooded and It was stuff. flooded. I mean, it was, it was abandoned la, this time. Yeah. It was abandoned, it was dusty and it was uh, de- definitely relic. La. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of time had passed by, lah. It's it's interesting because there was the moment when like everything was explained to you. Yeah. Before that, and yeah. then, and then suddenly, oh shit! I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Like this ten minutes, I'm like, ah, oh, finally figured this shit out. No, just in the span of credits. Yeah. yeah. I was like, okay. I was watching credits. I was very satisfied. It's like, wow, that was so nice. That was such a good season. So neatly tied yeah. up, ended with the radio hit song and everything. So like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. I, I understand. Oh wait, no, I don't understand. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, wait, 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 what's happening now? I'm confused. <laughs> But I mean, it was alluded because at the begin, uh, I think at the beginning of the episode, yeah, the one where he's coming down the elevator, yeah, and he came up to a no, but it was still confusing at that point. It was like it was. He didn't pick it up. Yeah, the exactly. Scene. But then, because so when uh, he was coming down and um, what's his name? Arno. What's his name? 
Bernard. Bernard, sorry, Bernard was going up. Kela, four anel. Four anel lah. Yeah, so anyway, when Bernard was going up, so when when the elevator's door was open, you're like, okay, Men in yeah. Black should be in there. Yeah. He wasn't. Yeah. So okay, but then things move so fast that you forgot that that happened. Yeah. You know. So. But when, you do see it towards the end that that particular version of him was saved. Yeah. So the who is the one in oh man? We'll, yeah, we'll, exactly. We'll, we'll, see we'll, see what I mean? We'll figure out in the end lah. Yeah, we will. Uh, what I do love also about the ending of it, uh, and this is strange because we're gonna talk about this other movie very later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the ending of Westworld was very similar to Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> In the sense that, like, all the things in the spark are not are in dead. the spark anymore. Yeah, they're done. Are slash dead or, or out, in real, yeah. out in the real world wrecking havoc. Yeah, because, um... Oh, I actually, I wanted to talk about Tessa Thompson's acting, actually. No, she's great, yeah. I, I, I don't know, do you watch when she got turned? Did you, yeah, no, that's the finale. Yeah, that's the finale, right? Yeah. So, anyway, her character dies. Yeah. It's, it, it, it turns out that she was killed but even or, but okay before we get to that even the original Tessa Thompson um, Charlotte, Charlotte Hill great great actress she was mm. so cold evil easy to hate yeah. easy to hate very easy, easy to hate hard to hate Tessa Thompson and right? she makes me hate her yeah, yeah. exactly and I love Tessa Thompson and, you know. yeah anyway so when you know at that scene when she's talking to herself yeah that's a great ass scene yeah, yeah, yeah right and then when she when she reveals herself to be Dolores yeah now that yeah and then how she picked up the mannerisms of ever Rachel Wood. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, she picked up Dolores Wyatt's mannerisms yeah. specifically. La. That, and, oh, I was like, okay, Tessa, mm. you win, you win. Because I, I, <laughs> I kind of had figured out that that particular version of Charlotte Hill was not Charlotte yeah. Hill. Mm. But I just was, didn't know who, right? I didn't know who was inside her body. Yeah. And then when it was revealed to be Dolores, who had just died like five minutes yeah. ago. <laughs> that was the furthest thing from my mind. Because I thought it was going to be Ford or something yeah. else. But once... It was revealed that she's the Loris. It made so much. It sense. made so much sense because of yeah. how she was acting. Yeah, exactly. Like her facial mannerisms were so much like Evan Rachel Wood. Exactly. Yeah. So great, great stuff. Great stuff. stuff. Yeah. Damn. Uh, let's move on to something that Hardy hasn't seen. Jurassic uh, World. No, Jurassic World. We'll, we'll talk about that oh, later. Hereditary. Yeah, let's talk about her Hereditary first uh, because I think like that's a better movie than. Yeah, Jurassic tell me World. how's this movie, man? I heard great shit about it. Oh, uh, I, I still wasn't as impressed as. Okay, so I, was... I, I will expand on that a bit later. Let's just talk about. Let's introduce the movie. First. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, Hereditary is the feature directorial debut of one Ari Aster coming out of A twenty four, which is a great studio mm-hmm. that has been producing mm-hmm. a lot of great indie, fil- indie films, specifically okay. a lot of great horror indie films, art house. Stuff like The Witch, stuff like It Comes at Night, uh, Under the Skin. Mm. Uh, so, people who come into her hereditary expecting something more conventional like The Conjuring or something might end up being disappointed. But I loved it because it's this exquisitely crafted, yeah. it's just a, a beautifully shot, beautifully designed movie. It's deeply unsettling. It's also painfully devastating on a dramatic level. Mm-hmm. And it's also upsettingly grotesque. Because unlike other horror films that uh, scare you by... Shocking you in mm. flashes of grotesqueness okay. and loud jarring music. Whenever there is something Ooh. disturbing, they show it and they linger on it. They 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 let the imagery seep into your mind, you know? and that's what I like about it. Like. So okay. it isn't just a flash that shocks you. You you get to understand it. You get, you get to have that image burn into your head. And there were several points in the movie where I felt that really disturbed me like, on, a, on a profound level. Like. Um, okay. Tonally, it's slow burning mm-hmm. and it's reminiscent of uh, Rosemary's Baby, although plot-wise, totally different. Yeah, but totally I'm just talking different. tonally. Um, it's very classically constructed. Yeah. Uh, that is frightening, but not in a conventional 21st century horror film way. Yeah. Um, it's cerebral because there's a lot of thematic richness in its imagery and it's in its metaphors. But you also find yourself returning to those disturbing imagery to... 
unpack its metaphors. Yes. Because I don't want to. I don't want to return to this imagery, but I find myself going back to it you know, <laughs> in my sleep or in long bus rides, because there are rich metaphors for mental illness, the cycle of abuse, the cycle of trauma. <coughs> Sorry. And, and similar to Westworld, also um, a metaphor for free will as well. Okay. Uh, yeah, but beyond the cerebralness of it, it's also visceral. Okay. Uh, and even beyond that, and beyond the symbolisms and the themes. Yeah, I mean, great themes about, you know, missing hits and animal warnings and Tony Collect's repressed trauma and subconscious desires manifesting in her sleepwalking episodes. Okay. It's also just a beautifully crafted movie on many other levels. The way it's shot, <laughs> the way it builds tension. Um, the scare scenes totally eschew jump scares, as I mentioned, uh, which yeah. I really, really loved. Uh. Okay. Um, it's also so tightly plotted as well, which is unusual for horror movies because horror movies are not tightly plotted. Yeah. The climactic third act sequence is a great exercise in... Blocking, framing, and misdirecting the frights. Just on a technical level, that was brilliant to me. Uh. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because you never knew where the frights were coming from. Okay. Like, they let you believe in a, the fright was coming from where other, other horror movies would come from. Yeah. There's this cliche, okay, for example, like this lady or guy standing next to a window, the fright will come from the window. Definitely. Then he turns to the window, the camera goes to his point of view, Nothing and then it comes from behind him, Ooh, stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. So, misdirection, not bad. Or you can see something crawling on the wall right behind him, uh-huh. and then the camera unfocuses on him to focus on the thing crawling on the wall. Uh-huh. Then he turns to the thing crawling on the wall, but there's something else crawling on his side. Oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, so there's, it's a fantastic exercise in blocking and framing. Mm. Okay. Uh, fantastic stuff. Uh, also, if you pay attention, every little clue makes sense, which I alluded to earlier, like, in terms of the tight plotting. It's really, really rewarding. It's kind of like this uh, but thinking man's horror, which is unafraid to go to complex places, either accidentally or narratively. Um, for me, Toni Collette's performance is two of the four, so it deserves an Oscar nomination. Okay. And, and fun fact, her last Oscar nomination was also for a horror film. Can you guess what it was? What? The Sixth Sense. No. Oh, oh, wait. Only for that scene in the car when he's talking to Lady Joe Oscar yeah, yeah, about yeah. Her, the mother. That's the one scene that got, got her the Oscar. Uh, yeah, it's also a great uh, introduction to a young teen actor called Alexander Wolf, mm. who you don't know at first, but it's actually key to the movie. Yeah. In, in fact, like more than Charlie is. Yes, much more. Uh, and he does a fantastic job of expressing like raw horror and despair okay. and surprise at appropriate moments. Uh, okay, uh, let's move on to Isa now. What yeah. do you think of the film? Yeah, I wasn't as impressed uh, when I walked out of the cinema as I thought I would be. And I think a lot of that is because I, there was a lot of stuff to unpack. Yeah. Right? And given that uh, thus far, the my favourite movie of the year is Quiet Place, right? Mm. Which is another a great exercise in the horror genre, but in a completely different, different way. Different way, yeah. Right? Uh, and I think, as you just mentioned, right? Yeah. Long bus rides and long quiet lines alone. Yeah. Uh, that night itself, I had a very, very long thought. And so many things in the movie lingered for me mm. that I needed to process and unpack, mm. right? Uh, and could then, in retrospect, uh, kind of enjoy and understand mm. uh, and appreciate. I enjoyed more on the second viewing for much of the same Yeah, so that's the thing. So yeah. I, I felt that I desperately need to see it a second time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know after I've done like all this kind of processing and all that, like so many of the scenes stayed with me. So many of, so much of the dialogue and the foreshadowing that happened. Foreshadowing, yeah. Yeah, stayed with me. Uh, there were a few parts where those were really obvious, right? But there were so many parts where they offered, uh, they ignored Chekhov's gun, they introduced something and then they never explored that. Yeah. You know, uh, and I think that uh, to me felt, um, I was a little annoyed at the point in time when it happened, right? Mm. It's like, okay, where was that? Like, that didn't go so anywhere. Misdirect. So it was a misdirect, it was a red herring at that point in yeah. time. 
but just like just generally after that, right? After having that good like hour or two hours post movie, mm-hmm. right? It really began to sink in. And I really have to say that it's a masterful movie okay. just because I can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. Like, even if my initial impression, I wasn't impressed, yeah. right? I don't think the movie set out to impress okay. in no, the yeah. first place, yeah. right? It set out to affect and effect yeah. uh, a very specific kind of haunting, um, like a haunting specter almost, mm. you know, that kind of like lingers over your thoughts and your over your shoulder mm. post the scene. So, uh, I do take back what I said. It is a great movie yeah uh, it is a great horror movie and it's definitely in my top five for now awesome. uh, just below quiet place yeah so, um, okay. I mean like just like you talking about red herrings and Chekhov's gun and stuff like that I mean there were a few big Chekhov gun moments in the sense that there was a Chekhov light pole yes and a Chekhov welcome mat yes uh, which I, I won't reveal to Hadi yeah, it's yeah, actually yeah. very creatively done okay. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, scissors oh, as well yeah also the trailer is incredibly misleading because you are led to think that Charlie is a big part of this movie and I guess she kind of is okay. but she isn't there for most of the movie yeah okay <laughs> uh, for reasons that I won't spoil because it's a massive massive thing yeah okay uh, yeah like I, I, I forgot to ask about ratings early on so let's read Westworld and Hereditary now how would you rate Westworld? Westworld is a good okay I'll give season 1 yeah like a 7 and a half yeah but uh, season 2 specifically? season 2 is a good 8 and a half okay how about you? Yeah. for yeah. what you've seen so far? Uh, from what I've seen so far I would give season 1 a 7 yeah. and season 2 an 8 yeah. but I haven't got to the finale so let's see okay. if, if that changes oh, sorry just to distract this a bit uh, to go back to Westworld right Yeah. apparently the ratings are down for season 2 30% down yeah la. but people are Exhausted by its uh, timeline jumping and stuff like that. Like they want a simpler show, a more linear okay. show to follow, which I I can totally get if you don't like um, mm. the Nolan style of okay. uh, narrative. Okay. Uh, plenty of people don't watch TV to analyze; they just want yeah. to have fun. fun. Yeah. Uh, so which is why stuff like Game of Thrones succeeds and maybe a right, bit so a bit more complex stuff. Uh, yeah, goes over people's heads lah. Okay. But it's not something to fault them on lah. No, 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 no. I, I'm I, not faulting. I totally get as well. Yeah, cause I was just reading a, a bunch of reviews on on. On my soul, la. yeah. But yeah, anyway, doesn't matter, la. Yeah, uh, it just makes, la. Actually, mm-hmm. yeah. But I give it a very positive score, la. Sweet, okay. I mean, uh, since we rated season one, um, like season one for me was a five out of ten. Uh, season two was an eight out of ten. So it's a Ooh, huge, huge, huge jump between seasons as well. Yeah. Uh, for hereditary Every myself, I would give it a nine out of ten for me right now. Wow, it's a nine so out of ten for me. One of the highest as well. Yeah. Nine out of ten. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe if Hadi uh, manages to catch it over the next month, we will revisit it as the next ep- on the next episode to see what Hadi thinks as well. Can. Awesome. Uh, now, like, uh, I still can take a break, whereas yeah. I don't get to. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? We'll, we'll talk about Luke Cage. Oh, Luke Cage. Marvel. Well, I, I'm halfway through, so. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. You, so you can, can jump in as well. Jumping, yeah. About some things, yeah. Yeah, so, um, okay. Let's talk about Luke Cage Season 2. Once mm-hmm. again, Chiu Hodare Koko coming back to showrunners. Yep. Uh, okay, before I get into Season 2, Luke Cage Season 1. Half a great show, half, half a terrible one. Terrible movie. season, yeah. Um, season 2 is still, still needlessly overlong. Yes. Needlessly overlooked. Yeah, do these yeah, episodes need to be an hour, five minutes? No, they do not. 45 minutes, man. Really. Not even. I, no, no, honestly. I mean, yeah. like 45 I'm, is. I'm like, halfway through the season, right? Yeah. And that could have been one episode. Yes. <laughs> there, okay, there, there should have been, like, the first season premiere, the first six episodes. <laughs> Basically. But, anyways, besides yeah. that, it's better paced than season one is. It is. It's more consistently engaging than season one is. Yeah. Season one? In the beginning of season 1 First episode was like 9 out of 10 And then 8 out of 10 And then 9 out of 10 And then 10 out of 10 Then suddenly 1 out of 10 1 out of 10 2 out of 10 1 out of 10 And season season 2 was just solid 6 out of 10 7 out of 10 6 out of 10 7 out of 10 
So it's, it's more consistently yeah. engaging. Yeah. It never quite reaches the highs of season one, mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. never sinks to the depths either. No. And I, and for thirteen episodes, I at least want something that is five or ten every episode minimum. Yeah. Uh. Minimum. Yeah. Yeah. And and Lukic does that. There's no. I felt entertained throughout. There's not one episode that dips below five. I agree. Most of it is like six or sevens. So. Yeah. Um. So that's what I enjoyed most in terms of the pacing of Luke Cage. Um, I feel like Netflix Marvel shows have been slowly improving their pacing. In a way. Uh, yeah. The Punisher season 1 is the best example of this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Jones season 2, great in theory, mm-hmm. in execution, not maybe so not so much. Yeah. Uh, Luke Cage season 2 is probably what they need to go for, for in the, the future. Rest, yeah. If they're not, if they're unwilling to to cut it down to six episodes or seven episodes, yeah. then pacing like this is fine. Look, okay I lah. seriously think I think I had this. I I talked about this before, but honestly, Marvel shows need to just yeah, a six season episode will be a six episode season. Sorry, six. Wow, episode. you're a crimson season six to one episode. <laughs> That's really rush, bro. <laughs> a six Super to rush. eight la. Six to eight episode <laughs> season, right? Yeah. yeah. Can can really do so much, so much for it, lah. By anyway, what would, what impressed you for this season though? Okay, so like the parables of what a bulletproof black man can do in America is still mm. potent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Definitely. season two offers even more nuance to his politics by considering what he should not do. Yeah. Um like for example, he has grown less like T'Challa and more like Killmonger sometimes. In no, terms yeah. of like how anger and publicity stemming from systemic injustice mm-hmm. can sometimes be just as poisonous as the injustice itself. Yeah. Um, it's a complicated idea that season 2 attempts to explore to varying degrees of success. Yeah. Sometimes it does it really well, sometimes it's kind of corny. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, so sometimes it's like uh, Black Panther standard, and sometimes it's Black Lightning standard. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yes. okay. That's that is a one. very fair yeah. comparison. Yeah. Um, the, the major thing that made me enjoy this season a lot more is that Luke Cage's use of villains this year wisely shifts away from the Marvel Netflix formula where the main villain gets killed off midway through the season, mm-hmm. and then the real villain emerges in the second yeah. half. All the main antagonists remain throughout, and yeah. they're all developed thoroughly because they have time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you get to learn about Bushmaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, his character development and humanization was a major aspect of the season that I, I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, Shades. Shades, yeah. Shades, Shades, to me, was the character of the season. Yeah, yeah. agree. Uh, Shades' development, he, he has grown from this enigmatic gangster, generic thug who's wearing sunglasses to someone with actual emotions and motivations. Yeah. And part of it, Spoiler alert is down to him being introduced as the first MCU character who is queer or gay yeah. or bisexual at least. Yeah, yeah, in canon. In canon. And I'm not, I'm not talking about like Kevin Feige saying like, oh, actually Valkyrie is bisexual, but he never. He never showed. Yeah. yeah, this is the first time that they actually on screen. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and his co- his yeah. conversation with Comanche, the first time I actually saw Theo Rossi act mm-hmm. in Luke Cage because he's usually just like I take off my glasses, I put on my glasses and look cool and look cool. But he actually acted in that scene, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh. Oh, this guy can act, huh? yeah. And I, I remember like back in Sans- 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 He had a damn compelling uh, storyline in that, that that show where he also showed his acting chops, uh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and on the theme of villains, besides Sheets being uh, given uh, unseen depths, mm-hmm. and also Bushmaster being humanized, uh, his flashback episode was great as well. Yep. Uh, was Mariah, Mariah Stokes? Black her, Mariah, her descent into insanity. It's so compelling Ooh. and so disturbing. Face, uh. <laughs> like the the actress Alfred Woodard, right? You can see her. You can see her in her face and her so eyes just unravel. Yeah. At first, I thought it was like bad acting, but then I was like, oh, oh my god, she's crazy. No, she's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, how she really became Black Mariah at the end. But it's believable. It is. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a believable descent into insanity. Uh, which is what I love the most. Uh. Um, the the whole history of the Stokes family and everything. Mm-hmm. How yeah. you know in the beginning. 
she was insistent on being called Maria Dillard. Yeah. Uh, Bushmaster was the one who busted it. Correcting it's Maria Stokes. It's Maria Stokes. It is Stokes. And then in the end, uh, it was Maria that saying, "I'm Maria Stokes, oh. not Dillard." No, I, that, was, that was a great turn for her as yeah. well. Uh, uh, all the villains were great. Um, even outside of Luke Cage's involvement, right? Mm-hmm. The the villains' deep seated motivations in the gang war, why why they're against each other, yeah. kept me engaged even without Luke Cage. Yeah. yeah. Like I watched the show if Luke Cage wasn't involved. Yes. Yes, actually. And and that was actually pretty pretty great. Right? It is, it is. Uh, so what did you like about season two, Adi? Uh, season two, apart from I really enjoyed Comanche and Shade's love story. Yeah, mm-hmm. very very subtle, very like well paced throughout. Like got hints of it every episode. Mm-hmm. Just the way Comanche looked at him, and the way the certain things he says to to Shades throughout the season. About yeah. Mariah as well. Yeah, <laughs> but at the end of it, la, at the end, the the, the death scene of Comanche. Mm. Spoiler alert. Sorry. No, right. I, I know he does. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> and how Shades reacted to it, and you know that that, and how it unraveled Shades lah. Mm-hmm. You know after and and how he was always, you know had, had this love for Comanche. I thought that was a really impressive uh, yeah. storyline. Minor storyline. Yeah, but I, I, yeah. to your point, I love that when they revealed that they were lovers in prison. It wasn't beating you over the head Correct. with like, yeah. oh, this is our SJW moments, nope. you know. Yeah. It was just like, very matter-of-factly, very subtly, very yeah. nuanced. Exactly. We had this thing in prison, exactly. that's why I love you. Yeah. Uh, we are outside now, it's different. Yeah. Uh, it's, just, it's just very smooth. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Uh, secondly, Luke Cage's uh, journey from being this black superhero, right? Yeah. To this guy that uh, suddenly his moral compass becomes a bit grey lah. He realizes that he has to take certain things. Compromise. Yeah, he has to compromise on certain. The world isn't black and white. Yeah, and when he finally realizes it, and re- finally realizes he has to do certain things that he might not have done a year ago. Yeah. Um, it really changes how you perceive Lucasa. Yeah. Okay. So Lucasa's entire desire from the first season mm. was to get rid of the Stokes family first yeah. with um uh, Kotonov, mm. yeah. and then now with Mariah. Mariah. But. When Mariah is eliminated from the picture, you have this really nice last episode epilogue yeah. where Harlem descends into chaos. Yeah. It was like what happened when you remove Saddam Hussein from Iraq, you know. Correct. He's a terrible human being, committed yeah. atrocities and stuff, but the power vacuum after that, how, do you, how yeah. do you deal with that? Because there's so much chaos and murder and bloodshed exactly. over nothing. Exactly. Know? At least Mariah had control. Yeah. Uh, the wall, as they keep talking, Mariah yeah, the was wall. the wall, right? She created the wall. And Luke Cage's decision to become the new wall, to become yeah. like the new crime boss of Harlem. The king of Harlem. Was such an interesting decision. Yeah. And also, it paints for a very fascinating season 3. Exactly, mm. right? Yeah. And like, do you, you, you remember that scene, the throwback to the Godfather? Godfather the Godfather scene uh, where um, Sugar <laughs> is whispering in his, Into uh, his ear. And uh, I think Misty Knight was out. Misty outside. Yeah, yeah. And, then and then the door closes. closes. I was like, ah, oh, that's a Godfather right there. It was, it was, I felt the season <laughs> should have ended there. It, had, yes, correct. They had a few extra scenes. They did. That was should be the last like, scene. I was it just yeah. ended there. This is, this is a classic case of Luke Cage having great things. Yeah. But don't know that... Uh, it was a great <laughs> They didn't know it was, it was what they should have ended on. Yeah. Luke Cage likes to go over long. Yeah, what do you think of Mariah Dillard's death though? Uh, Mariah Dillard's death, very... Um, Mariah Stokes, sorry. Oh, Mariah Stokes. <laughs> very uh, sand snakey, if you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The lipstick kiss and everything. Mm, sand snakes, yeah. Uh, yeah, it just reminded me of sand snakes Same. and Sensei and stuff like that. Uh, her death was okay. I, was it? I think it col- It was... I felt it felt right. Yeah, it felt right you in know? the moment. Yeah, in the moment. And for Luke Cage's character arc, it couldn't have succeeded. He, he couldn't have gotten to where Luke Cage got at the end of the season yeah. without Mariah without dying. dying. Yeah, yeah. So it was a necessary thing. I, I mean, I like that their conversation kind of explicitly 
explain that they had this Batman Joker dyna- yeah, dynamic correct. where Luke Cage wouldn't be who he is without her. Without her and she wouldn't be yeah. like this without her. Him so la. with Mariah out of the picture, Luke Cage cannot be Luke Cage. Yeah. Luke Cage has to be both. Correct. And and that's and why he, the that's why it's not black and white anymore. He's grey. Yeah. He's yeah. Um, uh, I like that a lot as well. Yeah. What else? Uh yeah, uh, what I love okay, like I mean sorry to bring him back to Mariah again. Go ahead, man. Mariah, right, and how Shades stand on her yeah. is so believable. Yeah. Because okay, Shades has been the Long devil the devil on Mariah's yeah. shoulder for the longest time. In mm. season one when, when Mariah killed Cottonmouth, he, he was the one He was the cleanup. He was the one saying that you can't be half a gangster. When yeah. you're in this life, you're in this life. Yeah. And he also says to her when she is the, when she is distraught over killing uh, Mashala Ali, yeah. he says like the first kill is the hardest, it's gonna get easier. Yeah. And then that advice came back to bite him in the ass. Yep, yeah. It did become it became easier. so easy for Mariah mm. to kill people. And Mariah, because she doesn't have an upbringing in the life or in the code of the streets. She doesn't know the laws. She doesn't know the rules. La. Or she doesn't care about the rules. Or she doesn't care. So yeah. she starts killing innocent people. When she goes to Gwen's and murders an entire restaurant full of innocent people, oh. uh, Shades was distraught about that. And at first I was confused because I watched Shades kill a ton of people over yeah. the first Yeah, but not, not innocent. But then I realised, like, I went through in my head who had Shades killed. And they were all in the game, you know? And they're all gangsters, yeah. They're all gangsters. Uh, they, are, they were either snitches mm-hmm. or gangsters. Yeah. And if you enter that life and you decide to do one of those things, the risk of death or being killed by another gangster is just inherent. Like. Yeah. It's part of the like the unwritten rules mm. of being in the game. But the, the law, I mean, not the law, but the, the unwritten rule is don't kill innocents. Like. Yeah, which is like, you know, kind of reminds me of like Omar's code of conduct, you know. Yeah, like exactly. uh, Omar would never kill an innocent or harm an innocent. Harm a woman. Harm a woman. Or children, but, that's what he said. Uh, yeah, yeah, so... Fantastic stuff for why Shades decided to turn on her. Yeah. Considering that Shades had been all so loyal and really into like this agent. I was in love with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All the jokes about... <laughs> you know, all the other gangsters joking about why he's into such old pussy is... Yeah. It, it, at, first, at, at first it wasn't funny, but yeah. then they kept doing it over and over again, then it got funny. <laughs> and there was the same thing with Misty, you know, like all the one-arm jokes, one-arm jokes oh, yeah. were really bad at first. I was like, what? And then like it became like this arrested development thing where they just like kept going. And then it became funny as it went along. But it's funny because it's not funny, you know? It's funny because it's not yeah, funny. It's yeah, it's funny because not... Um, yeah, I love that. Um, but we have to highlight Bushmaster, man. Yeah, great great acting. This guy. Yeah. This guy. What a villain. Yeah. Right? What one? What one? Yeah. Uh, man, I want to speak like a Jamaican, but I know he's racist. Uh, I love that he wasn't killed off either. Yeah, I love that too. Like, he accomplished his mission. He and Luke Cage came to a truce and he went home. He went home. He was like, you know, fuck this. I'm going back already. You're yeah, done. yeah. Back when yeah. he has like a mountain of night shit like, back home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he was he was severely fucked up like, towards the end. Like. Yeah. Because yeah, like, the night thing wasn't sustainable for his yeah. health. Like. Yeah. Until that super serum that uh, Tilda Johnson cocked up for him. Like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which like that was, that was like that was convenient. Yeah. <laughs> Here I have this uh, super serum nightshade thing. Which is kinda like the Captain America serum. Yeah, so it had a bit of that that like a bit too convenient moments, you know? Sure, yeah. Throughout, pepper troll also. Uh, Luke Cage has elements of I want to be a prestige drama and sometimes yeah. it does. But most of the time, right, it's uh, very CW, which I don't mind. I don't mind. It's yeah. an elevated form of CW. I agree. Mm. Um and okay, like I can't believe I'm about to say this. Like, Go ahead. But one of the biggest highlights of the season was Iron Fist. No, yes, Iron that's, Fist that's was the so thing great in his about, yeah. one one episode appearance. Yeah. I loved it. La. I kinda like how Danny Rand was more tolerable in Defenders. Yeah. And now he's just positively fun to watch in, yes. a, in one his one episode turn. I agree. He's not just fun, he's cool. He is. 
he's this billionaire. Yeah. Those like hippie billionaires, not wearing, you know, take, and a bit like obnoxious, you know. Yeah. You know, like how he took off his uh, shoes when before he, entering before the barbershop. Entering, I was like, fuck off. <laughs> so it, it just goes to show there's no such thing as a lame character. Yeah, it's only lame, lame writers. Writing, yeah. And when Scott Buck is not handling Danny Rand, for some reason he's amazing. He is. It's, the problem is Scott Buck, it's not Iron Fist. I agree. And it's also a throwback to the comics, lah, you know? Yeah. The, the team up between yeah. Power Man and Iron Fist is always. The been, Heroes of Hire. Yeah, yeah. Heroes yeah. of Hire. And they also had a little uh, daughters, daughters of the Dragon team up with uh, Colleen, Colleen and uh, yeah. Misty as well. Yeah. They had yeah. a small bar fight. Small, small, small. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed why I enjoyed Danny was also because of the fact that he kept on spewing all this Eastern wisdom. Yeah, <laughs> and then still, and people just keep shutting him down. He was like that tourist who went to Thailand one time. Yeah, and, and like super into Thailand now. Yeah, yeah, he's so into Kunlun. Yeah. To be fair, he did live there and did kill a dragon. Yeah, but the one that he tried to convince people that there is a dragon, a real, real dragon. Yeah, <laughs> and then people asked him, you know, like oh, who do you train under? And then he's about to go into this long spew, and then they, like, and then Luke just leaves the room. They all like interrupt him. And let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I, I love Iron Fist. Yeah. I hope that... I mean, it gives me kind of hope for the second season as me well. Me too. Yeah. And it gives me hope for maybe we can get our Heroes for Hire show. Yeah, I Because the interplay between each other, their shared love for hip-hop, yeah. stuff like that. It, like, Danny Rand is surprisingly knowledgeable on Wu-Tang. Usually white people like that are lah. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean, who bought the Wu-Tang album? It was a white guy, right? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Okay, we say a lot of good things, right? That being said, right? There's kind yeah. of a lot of bad and also mixed, a lot of mixed things, lah. There's a lot of bad acting. Uh, sometimes <laughs> uh, dialogue is very, very clunky. Yep, definitely. Uh, and the, the bad acting, I do want to emphasize that. Go ahead. It, it really feels like it's down to direction rather than performance. Okay. Because I feel like they were directed to act a certain way that just didn't fit the scene. Okay. Okay. Uh, but it did get progressively progressively better. Better. Okay. Yeah. Um, also, plot logic kind of takes a backseat far too often. Mm, yes, thank uh, you. But then again, like, that, that comes to the CW aspect of yeah. it. Like. Uh, this is just an elevated form of CW where they show allocation. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only difference. They show yeah. allocation, <laughs> so it looks better. <laughs> uh, I have to point out, they are, like what you say, right? Certain plot things were, were kind of uh, rushed. Uh. Mm. Like the uh, Piranha, for example. Mm. I felt Piranha's acting was a bit over the. But he's supposed to be. But he's supposed to be that eccentric uh, rich man. This? Yeah, I guess so. Like Clay Davis from The Wire, right? Yes, 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 like, yes, yeah. yes, a bit, I guess. He's yeah, supposed yeah, to be yeah, like yeah. she, yeah, 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 the yeah. corrupt politician guy. Yeah. But he's like this. Uh, but even though the exaggerated acting, right? Yeah. And then you realize his backstory, just that slight backstory, but how he rose to the top. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 him, that was the compelling part yeah. for him. The one where he was stretched out inside. Yeah. So his death, right? Actually. Yeah. Kind of hit me also. In that one particular episode where Lokesh had to save him, right? To save him, yeah. Um, and then they had this small conversation in the warehouse. In the, warehouse, or, or in the cinema. Cinema, yeah. yeah. Uh, this short one scene endeared me to Piranha. To Piranha, yeah. Was like this nothing exaggerated character. Exactly. And so, so, same thing like she is, uh, who was a nothing exaggerated character. Yeah. He became so, human all of a sudden. Yeah, so I love those moments. But there are also a lot of yeah, moments that... Like? It, it kind of feels like sometimes like black exploitation to me. Okay, okay, like exploitation yeah, 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 yeah. So sometimes it's an intentional homage, like a shaft, like a shaft kind of homage. Yeah. But it's a problem when I can't tell whether it's a homage or it's or done accidentally. Okay. <laughs> sometimes it's just black exploitation by accident, and sometimes it's black exploitation by design. Okay. And I can't tell. Okay. That's not good though. <laughs> yeah. <it's not> good. <laughs> Like no, there are certain scenes where they're evoking shaft and stuff and superfly and stuff. Yeah, like that. So I, I, okay, that's a definite homage. Mm. But then there are other scenes where they evoke the dialogue from those movies. I'm like, huh? I think this they're doing this earnestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah. Final thoughts on Luke Cage. Uh, great season overall. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, you're right. The best parts of season one weren't ever uh, near season two. Yeah. Season two didn't get to that high. 
but I love the pacing. Yeah. I loved how it concluded. Yeah. Uh, and it made me look forward to season three. Cool. So because of that, I'll give it a good seven. Uh, I'll give it a seven as well. Yeah. Um, Isa, since you've got half of the season, what are your so initial far? thoughts? Yeah, it's too long. <laughs> yes, and yes. I'm only halfway through. I was impressed by uh, some of the director's choices. I when I saw the Lucy Liu, yeah, Lucy, Lucy Liu in season uh, one, right? Episode, episode one, one, sorry, episode yeah. one, right? And I was very impressed by that. Uh, yeah. What six six female directors mm. out of like so that's half. That's actually very very impressive. Indeed, uh, and very progressive. I feel like. Um, the Netflix Marvel shows are starting to dial it in. I can feel, you know, yeah, it's yeah. kind of getting there. Nothing as tight as The Punisher, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the bad acting, yeah, is, yeah. I mean, they stick out like so. The it's, it's the moments stick out really, really well, and there are just times when it happens, right? And then I just start multitasking, yeah, okay, yeah. you know, and I just start leaving in the background. It, it, it's even more jarring like I keep saying because there's some moments that are as profound as Black Panther and some moments are like Black Lightning like. yeah. it's yeah. just wow going from here to there here yeah. to there so I, I don't know I, I mean like it. I hope it's something that they kind of solve I feel yeah I feel that consistency is something they need yeah, yeah. yeah. so I haven't gotten to a lot of the payoff stuff mm-hmm. yet yeah. or in the last third of the season payoff makes it worth it um, yeah. but at this point in time it's like a 6 for me sure yeah, yeah I totally understand because at the midway point of the season Was, yeah, a six, I, I had the same yeah. opinion as yeah. well yeah. and um, it's kind of similar to just schedule season 2 as well because mm. midway mm. point for me was like a 3 out of 10 <laughs> oh shit! And then the last like four or five episodes just, was like seven, seven, like, eight. Was like seven, eight, yeah. nine. And then I I grew to love Jessica Jones in the last half, lah. Yeah. Oh, I like that Luke Cage continues the tradition of using really good magicians throughout the. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, like you know, Rakim goes to kill Kiara's one in a very big scene. Kiara's one, and yes. Then, yeah. Uh, that was yeah, but so I loved it. As uh, as pump uh, spouting also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I thought the the girl that plays Mariah's daughter is not a good actress. Tilda Johnson? No. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah, she's alright. Yeah, no, especially towards the end when she has like uh, a little musical moment where she summarizes the whole season yeah, 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 in a song. Yeah, I was yeah, like, that song. is so bad. <laughs> I was like, ooh, ooh. I think that happened after the Godfather moment as well. And that's what, that's what that made was, me think. Yeah. I was like, it <laughs> like, should have ended there. Ended, yeah. should have ended there, bro. Eh, hey, was it? No, no, it's no, before. No, it's before. before. Because you're right, you're right. She hadn't gotten the, she hadn't gotten the word that uh, yeah, Mariah left, left the club to Luke Cage, which is a surprising thing. Yeah, then she was so pissed. I was like, why are you pissed? This is good for you. You didn't what? want it. You didn't want it. What? You made it clear in your prison visit that you did not want it. <laughs> oh, this, this fucking daughter doesn't know what she wants. Yeah. But I love that, uh, again, you know, like how Piranha, we get a bit of his backstory. Yeah. And then how the lawyer, yeah. that sleazy ass lawyer, yeah. and then we realise he also has a slight backstory that he was actually, the Stokes actually paid for his law school and all that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, small backstory for like, Characters like Sugar or the lawyer or Piranha. Yeah. Uh, and like how Maria didn't kill off Sugar because of his wife giving her the clothes when she had nothing. Yeah. That's about these little, little things which I really enjoy. Yeah, uh, yeah. good stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be moving on to another TV show that myself and Hardy have finished. Yeah, but I think. Have you finished Legion, Isa? I did. Okay. I have a lot to say so uh, <laughs> we're about to talk about Legion in a minute. So, Legion, right? Um, now, I love Noah Holly. Yeah, a lot of the people who know me personally or who have read my work on Potwire know I love Noah Hawley. Okay. Um, Fargo is one of my favourite shows on television. Yep. Uh, one of the rare TV shows to exceed the movie that it was based on. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I, I know there are other examples like Buffy and stuff, but Fargo is, is one of the top-notch ones. And if you have read any of my work on Potwire or know me personally, also you know that Legion was my favourite show of 2017. Yep. Far and beyond, because I was just amazed by its, its razzle-dazzle. Like, uh, the kind of creative imagery... 
uh, dazzling set pieces and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but Legion's wildly uneven season two mm-hmm. um, finally showed me an instance where Noah Hawley's abundance of visual style could mm-hmm. not make up for a lack of substance. Yeah. Now, I loved its flair in terms of its kind of this Kubrick slash Dali infused visuals okay. and the unique time travel mechanics that yeah. season two uh, <clears throat> used. But for large chunks of the show, I found it fundamentally empty mm-hmm. and kind of devoid of character moments or developments. Okay. Uh, do you guys have like similar opinions of how season two played out? Yeah, uh, I mean, like it, it was kind of exactly that, you know. And I found myself getting distracted very easily. Yeah. Like even with all the visual pizzazz that it seasons two still had, okay. right? I did find myself kind of like my attention drifting and uh, you know, from point to point. A lot of it didn't feel like it had any sort of semantic underpinning yeah. for the visual things. They are very unlike what we had in season one. Yeah, you know. Uh, but I mean, I, I get that normally doesn't want to read <coughs> the visuals of season one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for I, a different approach. I, I get that as well. But like, but to what end? To what point? No lah. The 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 style is its point. Is the point? Yeah, and I, I that I think that didn't sit well for me. Or very well could have been that, you know. Um, season 1 stood out even more because for once we get a superhero movie which is shot in that style yeah. right, which uses visuals in a way that is is, is fresh right? yeah and, and the way that depicts mental illness in an unusual visually compelling way yeah, yeah for sure yeah. I, I don't know if that came true as well in season 2 yeah yeah and uh, just generally for a large large swaths of the entire season I just found myself oh okay that looks nice but so yeah. what Outside yeah. of his main protagonist, which is David, right, mm. who had very minor character development, although important ones, yeah. mm-hmm. most of the characters don't have any development at all. Okay. As in, like, they, yeah. ca- they kind of do, uh, like, developments that could be done in half an episode of a regular okay. show. Yeah. Okay. They spend 13 or 11 episodes, I'm sorry, uh, just <clears throat> putting them in, like, fugue sticks or done sequences or... <laughs> Stuff like that. Oh, and don't get me wrong, I enjoyed the sequences. Uh, yeah. the, okay. the first episode done sequence where David faced off against uh, Shadow King and Jermaine Clements yeah. uh, was an interesting way to depict a psychic battle. Yeah. And they also had like some sequences where they had psychic battles that was reminiscent of that Sandman issue yes. where they were just imagining things like tanks and planes yeah. and yeah. T-Rexes fighting each other. That was a very anime moment. A very anime be, thing. Yeah. Or, or even like you know when they were like wrestling on the mat and stuff like that. Just nice ways to depict psychic battles rather than people just staring right. at each other. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought those were great and they definitely served as a great underpinning and I felt that uh, if anything this time round I paid a lot more attention to the soundtrack. Sure. Uh, which I which I thought was very very well done yeah. uh, this time round. Especially um, I, I started to take notice of that with the dance sequence in episode 1. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that being said also right like I thought like Sid's uh, origin story episode was really really good yeah. in terms of just because it was character driven yeah. uh, and that's something that season 2 lacked uh. but, and then they gave me like the one character driven episode it's like ah yeah I know, know how they can do characters I've seen yeah. him do it before and he did it this, with this one beautiful episode that's I mean not like Kiksuya but kind of like Kiksuya yeah. in a sense that it was this breather from the rest of the story yeah. mm-hmm. and it gave you this very self-contained lyrical tale yeah. uh, how about you Hadi? Um, well, I felt some of the parts of this season was a bit overindulgent. Uh. Yeah, yeah. You know, like a bit... No, Hardy is always indulgent, but I, yeah, I, he like always a has bit, a point to his visuals. Correct. So, so he never I had... felt certain parts were a bit too much. At first, it, and when I first, at the first <coughs> watching, right, I felt, okay, this makes sense. Yeah. Or, oh, I'm very, I'm very entertained by this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? But when I, I caught a few episodes again, it felt a bit too much. Uh. 
at yeah. certain points. Like it wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, it uh, felt, specifically episode five, six, seven, eight, and nine. Yeah, just was nothing. Yeah, There's nothing that, yeah, there. Correct. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed. Um, I still enjoyed his turn to becoming the villain. Yeah. Uh, we won't go into spoilers just yet. Yeah. Oh, sorry. sorry like sorry. let's talk about in general. Ooh, spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in general. I, I was okay with the character development overall. Uh. Okay. Yeah, I, I get what you're trying to say though, that a lot of them were very basic stuff or could be done in in like 30 seconds or yeah. one minute, you know? Yeah. But it took too long. Uh. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, overall, I'm okay with the series. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's I wouldn't bad. say it's bad. La. I would just say it's, it's okay. Alright, uh, I would say it's bad. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> let, let, let's delve into the finale. So yes, we, we're gonna, this is where we're going to be giving spoilers. Um, the finale changed my mind slightly towards mm. my attitude towards the season. Okay. Mm. Uh, going into the finale, the season's maybe a four out of ten for me. The finale elevated to Seven? elevated it to a six out of ten. Okay. Uh, yep. which is still, I mean, not great because mm-hmm. I thought season one was like nine out of ten. But yeah. um, at least it was a pass. Uh, in the finale, it's re- you kind of turn David into a villain, yeah. so to speak. When uh, the Shadow King opens everyone's eyes and reveals that uh, David. It's not a good person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he has a lot of excuses for it. Yeah, his mental illness, how he was treated as a child, but, but at the same time, he's not like. Correct. And the the part that was so powerful for me and deeply horrific and mm-hmm. upsetting was that the scene where David rapes Sid. Yeah. Uh, because okay, Sid, and now understands that David is a monster. Yeah. Uh, David alters Sid's memories to make her love him again. Yeah. And then he has sex with her. Yeah. So they have this almost romantic sex scene yeah. which I did not understand as rape until Sid points it out later on because yep. yeah. Sid regains her memories yeah. and then she points out that something that should be obvious to be honest Correct. that she did not want to have sex with him he altered her mind and then had sex with her that's rape because you're removing consent yep. yeah. uh, and it was upsetting to me because I didn't understand it like Correct. at first until it was pointed out like I didn't see rape as rape as it was happening in front of my eyes. Yeah, but to be fair to you also, yeah. because of the fact that he altered her memories, right? Yeah. Right? It is like, um, it, it, you didn't you didn't see that as like drugging someone. Essentially, it's the same. Yeah, exactly. Essentially, it's the same, correct. Her line was yeah, so important. Exactly. Yeah. Because if, if she had not said that, right, yeah. we wouldn't have yeah, we yeah. would have she just gone on not knowing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was recontextualized in a very very smart way. I felt yeah. like drawing the energy with being drugged and being raped. Yeah, correct. You know, uh, I echo your assessments exactly. Yeah. It was only at the point when she said that that yeah. I was like, oh, oh yeah. I had to yeah. pa- I had to pause the yeah. thing and I had to walk away for a while. Yeah, you know when 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 she said that. And, and um, it's it's so weird because like the male response to that accusation at first, I was angry because I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? You've been so difficult this whole season, yeah. and that speaks to a lot of, like how like men sometimes don't believe women like, yeah. or don't take the accusation seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it caught. I had to self reflect like, why how how I reacted, why I reacted that way, and when I finally realized that yeah, she's right. It really was rape. Like, it really drove home the point of what Holly was trying to say this entire season Correct. about gender disparity in Men of Destiny narratives yep. yeah. and the complexity of mental illness and the delusions that come with, uh, yeah. with feeling her. that you're a victim. Correct. That was hard to long quite a bit. I was actually really annoyed with all of the de- delusion, delusion thing, right? Uh, it, only only in the finale does any of that kind of get resolved when mm-hmm. he goes over and over again, I'm a good man, I did, I'm a good person, I, yeah. deserve, I deserve to be loved. Yeah. I'm a good person, I deserve to be loved. Like that doesn't, it doesn't kick him all the way to the end. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it still felt like a little too too little too late 
Yeah, you know, it did it did something to save the season. Yeah, uh, sure. because he it, he finally tied all these disparate stylistic choices and flourishes mm-hmm. into one cohesive thematic point. Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I mean, too little, too late. Yeah, I mean, we really saw glimpses of him being coming a bad person. You know, the torture scene. I think. Yeah. Sure. With yeah. Oliver and all yeah. that. Yeah. But that was kind of underpined with with Melanie's like yeah. whole like you know like she's just hovering over Correct. Yeah. Sid and all of that. And I was like, okay, sure. You know, I can I can see that. But at the same time, there's an active voice there. Yeah. You know, coloring what you're what you're seeing. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the underlying question of Legion, I guess, from the beginning is. Is David mentally ill or does he have his powers? Or is it both? Does he have his powers but he's also mentally ill? Mm-hmm. But because of the experience of living with his powers for 30 years, right? Uh, if you're in a psychiatric hospital and hearing voices and seeing these things, even if those are your powers, at a certain point, your, your personality develops around them. Yeah. yeah. So he has this vulnerabil- vulnerability, uh, personality-wise, and psychically where he always thinks I'm the victim here. Yeah. Yeah. See, he always has been, to yeah. be honest. And from David's point of view, he had this really traumatic... Childhood, childhood that he's never recovered from mm-hmm. and part of him in a very understandable way is like this small child going I'm a I'm good, good person I deserve yeah. to be loved yeah. uh, you can rationalize a lot of things based on feeling like you're a victim and you deserve something yeah. uh, in fact a lot of compelling villains come from that la. your killmongers and your Thanos mm-hmm. and stuff like that uh, so in his mind it's okay to make Sid forget about how she feels about him and mm-hmm. all her concern because he feels like this is a love story and we're right. supposed to be in love and therefore that's his his, uh, his fault la. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought like it was a brave conversation for a genre show like this to have. Even yeah. a genre show as radical as Legion is, yeah. it intrigued me enough to keep watching next year. Yeah, same. Yeah, um, I mean ov- overall, like any other thoughts on the on the season? Uh, I enjoyed. Actually, I really liked Sid though. Yeah, Sid was yeah. great. Sid was great. The solo episode is yeah. stunning. Yeah. Uh, Sid, uh, f- like how she finally realizes that David is this piece of shit. Yeah, you know, That's, selfish. Yeah, was great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I like that kind of character development but really honestly we can cut this season to like 5 episodes I think yeah yeah, yeah. yeah very very easily I mean like I only kind of like let go at certain points mm-hmm. be- I mean I let it go at certain points because I want to see more Aubrey Plaza oh yeah me too mm. right uh, I felt that her role this time around wasn't as compelling mm. as it was previously playing Shadow King yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was interesting to kind of see Lenny as Lenny Lenny you yeah. Know? yeah and like uh, some of the she's got some great lines he does you know in this particular season uh, I like how the most impressive visual effect of this season was? and there was a lot of impressive visual effects mm-hmm. but the most impressive was Lenny's contact lenses because it was so <laughs> oh, disturbing yes. right yeah, 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 yeah it was, it was. There's yeah. something so simple and it, made, it gave Lenny such a unique dynamic it did yeah uh, also I did kind of like the twist where Shadow King turned uh, David's sister into Lenny yeah, yeah. 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 I like the eyes thing. yeah the new that was great. Yeah, it was yeah. really, really good stuff. Uh, I felt they could have done more with Lenny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, because I, I just felt there was a lot of space. Okay. You know, where like there could have been more things and I thought it was a bit of a waste of Audrey Plaza yeah, I agree. this particular season. So it was a good waste of seven, eight episodes. I think. Yeah. There were yeah. maybe three genuinely good episodes in there. Yeah. I, I thought they could have done more with uh, Farouk. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I That's really like the actor. I thought the, his delivery and, you know, this kind of like omnipotent swag yeah. that he was carrying around was great and it could have been milked mm-hmm. you know uh, again a lot of space that could have been filled up the little things that he speaks in multiple different languages mm. in the same sentence, the same sentence. Know, I thought that was an interesting yeah. way to convey that he is so knowledgeable this yeah. omnipotent power yeah. and intellect yeah. Yeah. yeah overall what do you think what are the ratings for this uh, 6 out of 10 as I said yeah. Yeah, 6 out of 10 you? Yeah, I'm gonna give it a six out of ten. Six out of ten. Yeah, yeah. Think like, I disliked a lot of it. Uh, uh, it was saved right at the end. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not enough to feel it. Uh. Okay. Mm. Yeah. 
Uh, let's let's move on to uh, Jurassic World Ooh, Fallen Kingdom. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Which is, uh, as I mentioned earlier on, very similar to Westworld. Okay. Uh, not in the same way, just in the ending. <laughs> yeah. uh, Fallen Kingdom is obviously the best Jurassic Park sequel, would you agree? Best Jurassic Park sequel, yes. Yeah. Even better than Lost World? Yes. yes. Wow. I think it extends uh, the premise of Lost World to... It copies a, a lot of Westworld. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I keep saying Westworld. Lost it copies a lot of Lost World. Uh-huh. But... Improves upon it. Yeah, it what? sees yeah. Lost World's premise to its logical conclusion where Lost World does not. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So for me, in that sense, it is a better movie. Alright, alright. It also <coughs> is elevated by more inventive action sequences that oh. other Jurassic Park sequels don't have. Yeah, okay. Agree. Very inventive stuff like with the lava mm. uh, stuff at the the, haunt, the mansion. Yeah, with T-Rex. Uh, specifically with uh, yeah, Chris Pratt on the boat stuck in the, the T-Rex uh-huh. cage and how he has to jump through the mouth as the T-Rex is roaring, that kind of stuff. It's very inventively shot. Like. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the action set pieces were great. Yeah. Uh, and I felt like, I actually think this might be the first time that those action sequences were more memorable than some of the other stuff that we've yes. seen in Jurassic Park. There's okay. a lot of magic and awe in Jurassic Park, mm. but the action sequences weren't anything special. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom really wretches up the, the uniqueness of the action. Yeah, okay. Uh, and not just dazzling set pieces and stuff like that, because the volcanic catastrophe yeah. and stuff was really good, but it also has surprisingly thoughtful things to say about humanity's relationship with nature. Yeah. Uh, I know that other Jurassic Parks have kind of touched upon this, but it's never... I mean, the first had, one and the second one? No? Yeah, but it's never had like this kind of slants before. No. This okay. very, very ardent, almost Peter-esque animal activism to it yeah. in this message. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, also, Jay Bayona, I feel like he's a great director, as I yeah. mentioned. I didn't horror know, guy, right? I, did, yeah, I didn't know that he could shoot action as well, because yeah. mm. he comes from a horror background. Yeah. Uh, but what really took Fallen Kingdom from like to really like for me, mm-hmm. was in the second half, it was entirely shot in a house, yeah. set in a house. Mm. So it became a haunted house. No way. Uh, it became a horror, a haunted it house horror. horror. It, was really, it was really, really good, the way that they, he strung the tension along from yeah. scene to scene. So was quite excellent. I really have to say. Reminiscent of his movie called The Orphanage, which is a haunted yeah. house horror, in a, a haunted mansion horror. Two thousand seven, two thousand seven, I think. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, like you know, you cut the electricity to the house. Mm. So instead of demons or ghosts, you have like fucking dinosaurs like, roaming around. You know? Okay. Mm. Okay. Um, so you know, there were little things like when the Indoraptor is what it's called, right? Yeah. Was <coughs> you know in the bedroom mm. uh, about to eat a girl. It, it is very like horror imagery, like yeah. okay. stuff coming from the shadows. I mean, it, it was great because like one of the be- my favorite scenes of all time is. Is the raptors in the kitchen? Yeah, right. Sequence from from the first Jurassic, right? and mm. there were so many moments that felt exactly like that, especially okay. in the last third of the movie. Yeah, I, I really really enjoyed that part. Um, it also had some very like striking and memorable imagery, just like <clears throat> not sequences, just images that are heartbreaking and will strike a chord with animal lovers everywhere. Mm. Like. Yeah, I mean the most striking one I think that everybody points to and most people cry at is the scene where uh, the, the team are leaving Isla Nuba as the volcano yep, and, the yeah. erupts, uh, and then you see the yeah, bron- Bronto or Bron- Brachio? Brachio? I think uh, the dinosaur yeah, yeah. standing on the pier uh, and then being uh, engulfed, <laughs> engulfed in smoke and lava and he's, he's just crying out it's like why did you leave me because you're too big because you too big no I mean <laughs> yeah. too late, yeah. uh, too late uh. but it, 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 there was, it was really uh, yeah it was really heartbreaking to me and I did, I did not expect to feel that level of uh, emotion for a dinosaur. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. None of the sequels have ever done that, I yep. feel. I feel. Uh, what, we have to kind of address the twist, right? Yeah, just uh, spoiler alert. Okay, let's go ahead. Yeah, yeah, we do have to address the twist because okay. it does set up a lot of the franchise from mm. here on. So, okay, so um, what, spoiler alert, uh, three 
to what? Weapon. So it reveals that in one of the that one of the characters that we are introduced to in Jurassic World is a clone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so and, we're and going it, that way, and it kind of makes sense because if they can clone dinosaurs, why they, not, why not people, human? Right? right? Yeah. So they reintroduce a new character who is uh, the partner of. Oh no. John Hammond of John Hammond right yeah. uh-huh. so up to this point you actually have never heard of him yeah. right? mm. and uh, he and Hammond had a falling out but they were the ba- basically the founders they were the ones who extracted of the Igena. DNA yeah. yeah they extracted the DNA and all of that okay. he comes back into the picture now right as, as sort of like I'm the inheritor of like Hammond's legacy yeah, yeah, you know yeah, and yeah, I want to yeah. take this to like I want to treat the dinosaurs right uh. so okay. one of the main mysteries is this unfolding right of, of, of why is it they had a falling out mm. <coughs> and you don't actually uh, get to that until like maybe two thirds into the movie. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> um. So that w- that was interesting when they introduced his granddaughter was actually his daughter. His daughter, um, uh, his daughter was killed uh, in a tragic accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted to have his daughter back, so he just cloned her. Yeah. And she was, I mean, throughout the whole way we were introduced to her as the granddaughter. Yeah. So that came as a surprise to me because I never thought Jurassic were good in that direction, direction yeah. Yeah. like I mean you had that inkling kind of because they had alluded to it there were some clues yeah. mm-hmm. so I was like oh, hey maybe she's a clone in your head lah. but there's just one of those like, wow conspiracy theories like yeah. tin, tinfoil hat kind yeah. of thing yeah. Yeah. Then when, goes, they, yeah, okay. when they actually reviewed it I was like huh that makes sense yeah. they, they weren't there oh damn also towards the end when the dinosaurs are about to die from the gas yes, exactly. right? yeah. she makes the decision to release all the dinosaurs into the real world Yeah, like all of them and it comes from a very Believable emotional place yeah. because she's, a clone. she's one of them. Yeah, she's yeah. one of them. She says that, that if, I, if I am alive and I deserve to live, then they, they deserve, deserve to live too. Oh. Yeah. And it, it makes sense because no other human will make that decision. Yeah. Chris so, Pratt, who's an animal lover, didn't make that decision. decision. And they have this amazing moment where Bryce tells Howard is just hovering over the button that yeah. would release the dinosaurs, right? Yeah. Which culminates, I mean, it basically is the combination of this entire, like, Oh my god, because she is part of like the organization that wants to set the dinosaurs free, mm-hmm. make yeah. sure that they have their own rights and all of that. You now she runs an animal activist uh, group, uh, yeah. Cares for dinosaurs. Post Jurassic World. Uh. Post Jurassic World. Yeah. So it builds up all the way up to that. Yeah, yeah. and right. Chris, you remember Chris Pratt has this relationship with Blue, yeah. Yeah. almost like a son to him. Yeah. yeah, and both of them refuse to release the dinosaurs yeah. because it would just end humanity, uh, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, because there was a great I mean it was a great and I think like that moment for me was when like the kind of the thematic deepness or what or the deep themes that they were trying to explore really hit home yeah. right you had this one moment where yeah sure right we love dinosaurs blah blah blah, blah. no one's impressed anymore we should accept them into our world yeah. but when it came down to it they made a decision and that decision was to kill the dinosaurs huh yeah because in the end they did not want humanity to end yeah, and yeah. they were willing to sacrifice these animals for it yeah. so it all it, o- it only makes sense for the the granddaughter clone to do she, the releasing of it I mean she yeah. is them yeah. they came from the same experiments yeah. so uh, that makes sense to me thematically yeah. uh, so yeah. I mean J. Biona proves that he can deliver these blockbuster trills yeah. but also kind of reframing this tired ravaging dinosaur tropes into interesting new contexts yeah. and yeah. themes um, and likewise his finisher his climax is such a game changer what happened to climax? The dinosaurs are in the world now. The dinosaurs oh, that okay, okay, okay. And uh, then I mean, we kind of saw some of that in the trailer, right? With yeah. the the T Rex roaring and the lion and all of that. Yeah. So, unlike what happened in Lost World, right, mm. where you actually do have a T Rex, like was it San Francisco? San Francisco, yeah, yeah. but then the T Rex is killed or captured back. Captured and yeah. sent back to. And then there's whatever. no real consequence. Yeah. Exactly. But now, like every dinosaur species is on Earth, we can have they're about to take over the world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's almost as if like it's kind of implied that it's kind of like God's plan. Like, yeah, 
Oh, not in a Drake way, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like a species-ending way, lah. Like in a in a Battlestar Galactica way, lah, where God made the Cylons through the humans, uh, to take Damn, the war back, right? So it's it's interesting in that sense as well, and I I was very puzzled by the subtitle Fallen Kingdom mm. because I thought it was going to re- represent Ilanuba, the yep. because you know Ilanuba is going to be destroyed by this volcanic eruption, so we're gonna we're gonna end this Jurassic Park. So they're actually talking about the end of the human, yeah, the, uh, the end of the human kingdom, us as the dominant species in the world, because mm. that's how the movie ends. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh. So this drastically reframes the Jurassic Park franchise. Yeah and will offer interesting new narrative possibilities because if you think about it right there's every Jurassic Park movie is about hey let's build a new park maybe it won't be the same yeah, yeah. and then dinosaurs get released and then they capture yeah. the dinosaurs I mean that was the previous sequel yeah, yeah and then feels, and yeah. then uh, the next sequel is like hey we want to build a new park but this time we call it a Jurassic World Yeah. Uh, and then the dinosaurs okay. get released and then they eat people and then they capture them back and then rinse and repeat that's been so every Jurassic Park sequel right? the direction of the next sequel can be a post-apocalyptic story. It is. It yes, 100% it is. is. It's reframed as a Mad Max type of world now. Yeah. Ah. yeah. And they're talking, I mean, they keep harping on this idea of genetic power, right? Which, to be, this is the first time that they've actually mentioned that term in any of the sequels. Okay. Right? Even in the last uh, Jurassic World, right? They mm. never actually specifically talk about genetic power yeah. as mm. a term. Mm. But it's harped on a great deal from here on end. And I think that that's an indication of where this is going to go. Okay. Right? And the... The fact that the dinosaurs are loose will then become an excuse for the use of genetic power mm. and genetic manipulations in order to f- for humanity to survive. Also, the title Jurassic World will make more sense next time. Yes, it finally yes, makes sense. It finally, <laughs> makes, sense. It <laughs> finally <laughs> makes sense. Everything about this thing makes sense now. Yeah. Uh, so, good on Gio, Jay Bayona for Directing. for injecting new life yeah. into a tired, tired franchise. Yes. It was written by Colin Trevorrow, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. It was always heading in this direction. Oh, Colin okay. Trevorrow was just not free okay. to direct the second yeah. one uh, but I think J.O. Verona did a great job I mean besides the game changing plot things right what he did in terms of like changing up the genre for mm. example he did a horror movie yep. in a, in in a, a context of a dra- in a monster movie yeah. I thought it was brilliant yeah. okay. so from going on now we have Jurassic Park sequels that can be uh, Mad Maxian or, Mad Maxian. or Mad whatever Maxian. La, yeah. in a survivalist or, horror I mean even like yeah they, you've, you've got your cloned humans versus your <laughs> versus your dinosaurs <laughs> yeah so it's going to be interesting going forward hopefully they don't go cheesy yeah. like, like suddenly there's like a human dinosaur hybrids you know or some <laughs> oh, shit God, no, who are trained no. by the military to like conduct espionage I mean that was the fear of where it was going <laughs> yeah like after the first Jurassic World yeah, yeah. Yeah. right that was where like oh no they're going to do that right they're going to militarize these things yeah. and then it's going to be yeah okay yeah di- dinosaurs with lasers uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so hopefully they go in a smarter direction but this okay. was a very smart movie I felt mm. I mean it had its flaws yeah, in the end sure. like it wasn't still it's still not as good as Jurassic Park nothing is for sure uh, uh, so it's like a 7.5 out of 10 for me shit that's good it's a lot higher than I rated Jurassic World which was like a 5 out of 10 for me that was a 6 for me okay. okay I'm definitely catching it then how, how yeah. would you rate this actually uh, I would rate it a solid 7 or okay. even actually I'm gonna give it a 7.5 just because I feel like it was a good movie on its own yeah. but it was a great setup movie Okay. Um, similar to Westworld I'm very confused as to why a lot of people there's so much backlash to yeah. Fallen Fall Kingdom I, I think it's it's a, it, it's a Last Jedi problem yes Jurassic World was Force Awakens yes this oh, is the last Jedi yeah, of yeah, yeah, Jurassic okay. Park that yeah. makes sense because it totally changed the game Yeah, it and totally some people are resistant to it are resistant to it I mean I think one of the biggest complaints that they keep talking about and, and I agree with them is that a lot of the sequels do not have the grandeur mm-hmm. of the original movie okay right 
which is a fair comparison because it doesn't and it never will because Jurassic Park was Jurassic Park. Yeah. You know, and it was the first of its kind at that point in time and yeah. you know, there were so many great things going for it. It will never be that again. Okay. So we need something new, right? And it, all the way back, it's the Last Jedi argument that we've been having <laughs> over the course over of the this course year. Of the year yeah. In the end, yeah. I mean, that's the first thing that came out of my mouth when I left the cinema with Isa. This is yeah. the fucking Last Jedi or Jurassic yeah. Park. Exactly. It, changed, it changed everything. Yeah, that's uh, and that's interesting. Um, so those are the major topics for this month. Uh, we've already covered most of them, but I'm going to delve into a little segment called Quick Hits, uh, where I talk about some shows or movies that Hadi and Isa haven't had the chance to watch, yeah, but I have. So this is going to be brief, uh, very... Like quick. It says quick hits. Like. Quick hits. Uh, the first one isn't going to be as quick because I really love this one. <laughs> the next ones will be very quick. Uh, so first one is Sense Eight. Um, after being unceremoniously cancelled, mm-hmm. uh, Sense Eight's fans raised a ruckus, yeah. convinces Netflix to revive the show. And but what ended up happening is not at all similar to what happened to Brooklyn Nine Nine or the expense where they picked up for another season. Yeah. What ended up happening was more similar to Veronica Mars's famously crowdfunded finale, uh, which was a movie. And or Joss Whedon's Serenity, yeah, which functioned as the big screen yeah. wrap-up for most of Firefly's unresolved storylines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Netflix had the plight and offered a compromise. Not one extra season, but one, one extra movie. episode. Oh, one extra episode. Yeah. yeah, but J. Michael Straczynski and the Wachowski sisters uh-huh. could make it however long they wanted. So it can, with, it's a movie. Lah, which is how we got this huge 150-minute climax. <laughs> it's for all, an intense, for, for all intents and purposes, it's a film. It's built as a series finale. It's labelled in Netflix as the 12th episode of season 2. Mm-hmm. But come on, la, it's two hours, two and a half hours. La. It's a movie. La. It is. La. I, and I'm going to think of it as a movie and when I come to the end of the year when I'm rating like, my favourite movies, it's going to be one of them. One of them uh, we'll see. La. It's only half the year. Some other things may overtake. Yeah. But it is a movie. I'm going to count it as a movie. So, so like, um, are you aware of Sense8's premise? Slightly. Okay, so I'm 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 Just trying. Run it down. I'm gonna try to run it down very briefly. Yeah. Um, it's a sci-fi series about a group of about uh about mm. a group of w- what they humans. call sense eights. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, they are telepaths ah, okay. who are, who exist in all over the world. Okay. So um, but each group is called a cluster. Okay. And they're intimately familiar with one another. Like. They're able to share thoughts, emotions, experiences through a shared consciousness. Okay. So sense eight was about metaphysics but I was less concerned about metaphysics than its grander message of empathy they like the Protoss from Starcraft uh, they share one mind I mean they can feel each other through yeah, some telepathy yeah, the, em- the empaths it's, yeah. it's, it's slightly different because um, sense-eats can communicate with other sense-eats outside of their cluster uh-huh. telepathically uh-huh. but when you're inside the cluster they're essentially feeling everything all everything the other is, seven yeah. people are feeling yeah. all their experiences all their okay. skills and all their knowledge okay. so what's beautiful about the show is that you have very eight well-defined individual characters mm-hmm. who have mm. great backstories but at the same time they're all also each other okay, <laughs> at the yeah. same time Creating this very, very genuine bond that ignores race, gender, sexuality, or nationality, or other of, or any of the other social constructs that divide us. Yep. Okay. So it's this beautiful message of empathy, how if we can only understand one another, we can work together. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, the show was like this mad mishmash of tones, yeah. because it's eight different shows in one. Okay. So for example, you have a Mexican character who is, essentially his, his show is a Mexican telenovela. Oh, I was just going to ask whether it's a telenovela. It, it 100% is, because he's this overly dramatic gay actor. Oh, okay. So it, it, his show is a comedy telenovela. And then there is a Chicago cop, and he exists in a Chicago cop show. He's <laughs> a hard boy. Yeah. Detective. And then there is a German gangster, and then he's in a German gangster flick. <laughs> and then there is a Korean woman who is trapped in prison, so it's Korean prison break. 
Uh, and then there is a love story in India, so that plays out like a Bollywood show. Mm. No way. Yeah. So it's eight different shows in once, lah, and it's very tonally jarring, but it works. Okay. Uh, mostly because you like all these other sense it feel what they feel all the time, lah. So it's it's very emotionally compelling. Mm. So for example, if the Korean lady has trouble in prison, uh, the German gangster can take over her body and maybe mm. like help her out with some things. Yeah. So they share skills and knowledge, lah, to help each other out. Okay. Or like if the Mexican actor has like a bartending scene. Uh, and then one of them who knows how to button, you know, can do that for him. Okay. So, so it's pretty cool, uh. Well, maybe uh, it help for us too, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but mo- mostly it's kind of this exploration about themes like religion, friendship, okay. existentialism, sexuality, and tribes, uh, okay. And how maybe we aren't as different as we think we are. Okay. So the series finale, right, finally brings our sensates from all across the world yeah. together, together in the same physical place at the same physical time. So, sensate the show was expensive because it was shot on location. So, ah, so you have to go all over the they world. They will go to Iceland for three months, then they go to India, then they go to London, then they go to Chicago, then they go to Mexico. Oh my god. And all eight actors have to be there at the same time like, because to f- they have to film all of them telepathically communicating at the same place. Yeah, yeah. it's a Game of Thrones level. Of that is so expensive, and I understand why it was cancelled. Okay. Because it was just too much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as good as the series grew to become. Because okay. season one was kind of mixed, and season two grew to become a great show. Mm. And which is why fans were very upset when they cancelled it on the verge of greatness. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but this, like I mentioned, they are they all gathered in Paris for one dire reason to rescue one of the cluster from an organization called the BPO. Uh, the BPO basically does uh, experiments. experiments on scientists. Yeah. I don't, don't get into so it. So that, that kind of supervillain like group lah. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you get the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's there's a nice electricity to combining our lodge ensemble alongside the allies. Yeah. In in the same place. So la. have we met this other sensate before? No, we 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 so see them the all the time. Oh no no I mean the oh they've never the met other physically. clusters. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so we have already seen them here and there. There, there are other clusters and other senses outside of our cluster. Yeah, yeah. So outside of the your the cluster that we are uh, focused on, they do sometimes encounter other senses. Okay. Like for example, the German gangster dude, uh, yeah. Wolfgang, one yeah. of the rival gangs that his his family is at war also with, a also has a sense in there, la. Ah. So there's this incredible scene. I think in the finale of season two or the second last episode of season two, okay. where we have our cluster fighting against another cluster mm-hmm. and so like one person morphs into another person fighting another person morphing into another person so it's, oh, eight, it's an 8 on 8 battle in a 1 on 1 battle uh, I need to see that. and it was a very like inventively short action sequence as only the Wachowskis can do because mm, okay. a lot of people forget I mean they did the Matrix they did the they first can Matrix, fucking do a, Matrix they can fucking, Matrix, fucking do action brilliantly la. Yeah. Uh, yeah but like even though this finale was 150 minutes it felt really breathless and worthwhile because it, it culminated a lot of Plots that I could I could tell are meant to be three or four seasons long. Yeah. Okay. So it felt a bit rushed. Okay. But no choice lah. You know. One hundred fifty minutes only. Or what you gonna do lah? But uh, it every moment is to be savored. Uh, and despite the great action and stuff, the most brilliant moments are the character interactions. Mm. Um, there were a lot of like joyous character interactions in terms of like long-awaited people who are finally meeting. Okay. And people who have talked a lot telepathically meeting in person. Okay. Uh, that's interesting as well. Um, since its guiding principles have always been about like empathy, understanding, and love, yeah, and it's able to deliver that message free of cynicism, uh, and that's unique in a show. Uh, so what better way to end the show than with a heartwarming scene? <laughs> heartwarming, an, yeah. Of an orgy. Oh, I, very uh, what, what I'm amazed that nobody has ever like used this word to reference that particular scene because I read all the reviews, mm-hmm. but it's a clusterfuck. Yeah. Oh but, my god, it was a clusterfuck. Yeah, um, it's this psychic and physical clusterfuck to end the season and this uh, shared, uh, shared emotion and joy emphasizing that everybody deserves to find happiness with one another uh-huh. la, in any way that they can. Okay. And it's a beautiful message as well. Um, yeah, the season finale, although it was rushed, 
although there was so much more to do, in the end, it it satisfied me. Okay. Thematically, uh, so it was an eight out of ten for me. All right. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'm moving on to a YouTube show, okay. uh, YouTube Premium. Uh, now making their play into streaming services, mm-hmm. uh, del- delivering original content. Uh, famously, Cobra Kai, mm-hmm. one one of their not maybe not a first, but their most high profile high release profile. so far, mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to be talking about Impulse, which is a spin-off from a terrible 2008 movie Jumper. called Jumper. Yeah. Uh, so, like Jumper, is this is showrun by Doug Lyman, yeah. uh, but it succeeds where Jumper feels because it's so much smarter and darker, and more action-packed than okay. the original no. Jumper. Uh, its protagonist Henrietta has the same teleportation powers, but this essentially is a grounded story about her surviving sexual assault. Oh, because in the first episode she's raped and oh. she has this fight. No flight response, uh, which invokes the teleportation powers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so wait, are we in this series? Are we gonna see the paladins back? Are they uh, chasing them? I mean, there is a larger mythology out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very rarely addressed. It's so okay, so it's a focus story. It's on focus this. story on this girl who was raped. Okay, or, or about, about to be raped before her, her powers kicked in. Oh wow! And okay. then when she teleports, like half the car teleports with her, which causes an accident. Uh, she was almost raped in the backseat of the car. Wow! Uh, and then the the kid that almost raped her. Uh, is in a coma, paraplegic. He used to be like this football star, and she's also feeling guilt about that as well. Yeah. Uh, because although she's feeling traumatized from the almost rape, uh, he also she also feels bad for causing his him to be. Yeah, so it's a very complex kind of thing. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and, and the mo- the not the movie, the series is mostly about that. It has this intriguing sci-fi flourish, this larger mythology, but at its core, it's a surprisingly complex character study about a girl trying to survive trauma. Wow. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, it is. It has the same problems as Luke Cage and Elliot in the sense that it's overlong. Mm. Oh, uh, okay. So it is a seven out of ten. Okay. But uh, still compelling enough for me to revisit it when it the, when the second season comes out. All right. Out. Yeah. Um, next, I'm gonna talk about iZombie. Hey. iZombie. iZombie season four mm-hmm. um, was a huge game changer. Um, okay. After its shocking season three finale, spoilers mm-hmm. if you haven't seen iZombie. Uh, Everyone is yet, or half the population of Seattle became zombies. Yes, makes sense. Af- Does it make sense? I mean, okay, like, it makes sense it in the context what? of the story. Like. Oh, the story, yeah. No, but I mean, like, for people who haven't watched iZombie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Like, no, that's wild. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, okay. So there was uh, a, a, a fake disease and mm-hmm. they inserted the, the zombie virus into the vaccination. So mm-hmm. half of Seattle is now a zombie town. So essentially, in season four, they're going to explore how a zombie state would function. So iZombie returns with a fresh status quo and fascinating narrative possibilities and season 4 pulls off this impressive feat of world building yeah. kind of dealing with tenuous zombie human relations okay. in, in an experimental society with new power dynamics new economic needs mm-hmm. new laws new jobs and of course new crimes for lift to solve okay. so while it still retains its detective show DNA I zombie has basically turned into a zombie west wing a wow. zombie west wing uh, where it's just Basically, all the time talking about rich political allegories like xenophobia, discrimination, class warfare. Okay. Uh, all the stuff that its new landscape provides. Okay. And Liv, uh, halfway through the show, stops. I mean, the crime solving aspect of the show even stops because she is now uh, become almost like uh, the figurehead for an underground railroad. Okay. Mm. Um, to get her humans up? To get humans in. To get humans in, okay. Some humans want to leave, can also lah. Yeah. Uh, but because of the brain shortage, and you know what happens in eye zombies when zombies don't get brains? They become feral. They become feral, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a brain shortage because there are millions and millions of zombies now. Yeah. So the new government doesn't allow more people to come in to get turned into zombies. Okay. Because, because food shortage. Okay. Basic stuff. But the thing is, right, some people dying of terminal illnesses, or they have Alzheimer's, or they have cancer, 
they want to get in to be scratched uh. and and Liv is an empathetic person who's helping people come in ah, but turning them to zombies the uh. yeah and uh, there is a death penalty for this uh, so yeah. there is that as well okay. uh, there's also like you know the class dynamics between the zombies and, uh, mm. and the humans yeah. uh, that's interestingly explored uh. admittedly though the social and political ideas it tackles is smarter than it, its execution oh okay uh, I appreciate the attempt to revamp the show but the heavier themes means that the show is just not as fun as it used to be. Okay. It used to be a very, very fun, hearted, busy show. The West Wing and, thing. La. And it, it takes away from what I enjoyed the show in, for initially. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it doesn't do the West Wing as well as West Wing does. Uh, I mean, yeah, of course. <laughs> First uh, four seasons of West Wing. La. Yes. Uh, so that's a big downside for me. This is a mixed back season where the allegories are more fun to think about than it is to watch. Okay. Uh, but... I do understand how difficult it was to make the season. Yeah. Their decision to Cause a whole totally change the yeah. show uh, posed a huge problem for them. I admire the balls. Though. So do you feel that uh, the next season might be a better you know, flourish to what they were trying to do here? Their next season has been confirmed as their last season. Last season. So I have a feeling they're going to throw everything at it. Okay. Uh, so hopefully it was going to be a great climax. Though. But in the end, Azami season 4, while I admire it, it's only a 6 out of 10. Right. Still a pass and still watchable. Okay. Uh, last thing I'm going to be talking about is Supergirl. Yes, how did that ha- How was that? Okay, while Legends of Tomorrow has become CW's most fun DC superhero show, mm-hmm. Supergirl has become their smartest and most emotionally affecting. Okay. Um, sorry to Black Lightning, Flash and Arrow, but your seasons this year have been pretty <laughs> rubbish. We, uh, we talked about it. We yeah. talked about it. You can listen yeah. to our past episodes to listen to my opinions of uh, Black Lightning, Flash and Arrow, both of which I despise to varying degrees. Uh. Um... <laughs> Yeah, but uh, Supergirl is great because it has kind of like Sense8 this message of empathy yeah. optimism cheeriness brightness that is rare to see that is also free of cynicism yeah. uh, they introduced the fearsome world killers this year which gives Kara a massive threat to deal with yeah. threats that even Superman cannot handle because they are genetically engineered Kryptonians uh, who are supposed to be stronger than real Kryptonians mm. yeah. so it's like you know like me fighting Winter Soldier yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Kara is frequently outmatched and beaten to a bloody pulp many times uh, and yeah. it's rare to see Kara so physically in danger uh, they also introduced the time travelling legion of superheroes mm-hmm. uh, which has been a creative boon this season because they introduced you know, all these random superheroes from the year 3000 yeah. uh, so it gives a, the writers a lot of fun dynamics to play with uh, including one l who was sent into the future yeah. in the previous season now she comes she back, back but it's been like Seven years for him. Oh wow! But it's been uh, a month for her. Okay. So he comes back with a new wife. He's gotten over Kara. Kara's still over him. So it's the usual CW love triangle kind yeah, of thing, yeah, but yeah. played out very interestingly, lah. That's interesting. Yeah, with time travel, yeah. Yeah, I, I've n- I've nothing against cheesy love triangles. I'm a sucker for them. Yeah, me too. Uh, so yeah, I I enjoyed it. A lot of people didn't, but I'm saying I enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, additionally, this season thematic arc is mainly about religious fanaticism, mm-hmm. about a religion that's formed around Supergirl. Ooh, okay. uh, and it deals with it in a lot smarter ways than Batman vs Superman ever did this idea that a god lives amongst us yeah, yeah. Yeah. and they are heralding Kara as a god but Kara is not and yeah. how does she handle the responsibility of people worshipping her legitimately mm. okay. uh, that, that was interesting also can I pause this for a while? yeah no 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 isn't, isn't Superman in, in this universe as well? yes yes Yeah. so why is he not the god? why is she the god? Why, I'm sorry stupid question 
maybe he is in Metropolis. Maybe in Metropolis. But, but oh. this particular cult so this has just sprung up in National City. In National it's City, a localized okay. cult. It's a localized, localized cult. cult. And okay, okay, the okay. cult is the cult members are only made up by people Supergo has saved. Ah. And I found it interesting, okay. right, that the entire cult, right, of like thirty to forty people, yeah. are all the real Extra. actors, the actress that she saved in previous seasons. And and they, 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 brought, they brought them back. Yeah, it's very clever. So right. there was the before the cult episode happened. There was this uh, previously on, and they show all the people that Supergo saved. I'm like, okay, so what's the point? <laughs> Okay, random bank robbery. Who cares, right? They suddenly like, oh, they all oh, came back. Makes sense they now. worship her, and they are they are willing to carry out atrocities in her name. What? There are other villains obviously involved in the season. Oh, okay. They're willing to murder them. They're willing to what? bomb buildings and stuff like that in Supergirl's name. Wow. Uh, so they become another villain in 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 themselves. It's like the sons of Batman. Yeah. In kind of. Yeah. yeah. Um. As usual, they also have great representation for LGBTQ relationships okay. in terms of Maggie and Sawyer, yeah. and Maggie wanting a child and stuff like that. Sawyer doesn't want a child. Yeah, uh, yeah. there's also a lot of you know good old like betrayal, which is a classic show of you know uh, most Superhero. comic book superhero stuff. Yeah. Uh, also. James Olsen's racism arc this season has been really good. Really? Because uh, Guardian, which is his alter ego, yeah. is, is hailed as a hero. Yeah. Uh, but once it's revealed that he's black, everybody starts to like, on him. Oh man. Yeah, but this it's just different lah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a vigilante, a faceless vigilante versus a black vigilante is just different. Yeah. 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 I mean, we had a bit of that in Black Lightning. Yeah, yeah, and and, and the that, the, yeah. the weird part is right. Spoko did it better than Black Lightning. Though. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so Supergirl is burdened with a lot of weighty ethical dilemmas this season and that can't be solved by punching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's what makes this season interesting. Uh, in the end, at 23 episodes, oh, it's still over long. Uh. 23 yeah, yeah. episodes is a lot to deal with. But yeah. it, it moves at a mar- far brisker pace than Legion or Lukic ever does. <laughs> uh, so in the end, it's, it's a 7 out of 10. Okay. Uh, so that's it for this episode quick of uh, Quick Hits. Do yeah, uh, yeah. you guys want to jump on anything? Police, anything? No, I think we're good. We're good. We're good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we're we'll good. we'll be back with Polis the next, next month. Week. Yeah. Yeah. And next week. Next month. Next sorry. month. Uh, and remember, we'll be covering the season three yep. of the Expanse. Yep. Season yes. three of the Handmaid's Tale. Yes. So those are the big ones. Yeah. And of course, a post Infinity War, Ant Man and the Wasp, mm-hmm. yeah. which will take place before Infinity War. I heard a lot of good things from the, uh, from Ant Man and the Wasp. Uh, apparently, it's a fun palette cleanser. Yeah. So for, I'm looking forward to that, lah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, me too. In fact, it opens next week as of exactly. this recording, so we're gonna watch so it. So we'll be there. Yeah. What yeah. else do we have to watch apart from that? Uh, I'm sure we'll have a ton of stuff. All right, but uh, those are the three big topics. All right. Oh, and also, if if you guys are free and yeah. over the next thirty days, yeah, could you finish the first season of Counterpart so we can revisit? Oh yes, yeah, do I have it already. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Download it already. Yeah, because I mean, um, bought it legally on streaming sites. Like iTunes and stuff. Like, yeah, iTunes, iTunes. iTunes. It happens, it works. <laughs> uh, so, um, Counterpart, if you recall, I kind of covered maybe three or four episodes ago as yeah. a brief part of Quick Hits. Yeah. yeah. But it's such a great show that I kind of want to explore it more. Let's do it. Yeah, uh, and I also want to hear Isa and uh, Hadi's uh, points of view on Sounds that good. as well. And I'm going to rewatch it myself. Okay. Uh, so, we'll see you next month. Till then, this has been Hitzer. Hadi. I'm Isa. This is John Ray Quality. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah.